Hello and welcome to NashiCast 15. I am Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. And tonight we tackle a film that neither of us had seen before, well, just the past couple of weeks here. Mm-hmm. It's that one was the first, I think, for us. I think we've seen, we, we've we've done a couple of films that I had not seen, but that you had not seen in such a long time that they were almost like yeah, seeing them new again. Yeah, but I believe this correct. is our actually first, uh, as far as a regular NashiCast here, that uh, neither of us had seen at all. This, uh, I wish I had seen this years ago. Man, no kidding. Okay, what we're talking about tonight is, uh, we should straight, we should state up front, this is not a horror movie. Right. But do not run screaming, because of the last non-horror film we did, uh, Crimson was a crime film, <laughs> and unfortunately Crimson... It was Crimson, a crime, all right. <laughs> it was a crime. <laughs> okay. Yes, it, it was a crime. You're right. Crimson was terrible. Oh my God! This is in the other direction, folks. Yeah. Tonight we talk about, uh, like I say, it's not a horror film, uh, but there are definitely horrific elements within it. Mm-hmm. This is called El Caminante, which is Spanish for the Traveler, mm-hmm. and this is an astonishing film. Something I think that uh, any Nashi film fan is going to get a kick out of if you can get your hands on it. A uh, little tricky there. Yeah. That, that, there's the rub. <laughs> there's the rub. Uh, there is no English language version of this film, as far as we can tell. So what you're looking for is a subtitled version out there uh, on the bootleg market. It's been a, it's been done by fans. It's a fan sub project. Terrific print too. Yeah, Looks yeah, great. the uh, re- really good print out there. I think the the print was probably I hate to say it, but the print was probably scammed off of a real DVD release that was in Spanish only. Yeah, I'd imagine. Good, good looking print. Uh, whoever, whoever did the, the the fan subs, the subtitles, did a fantastic job. Or if they didn't do a fantastic job, they did a job so good that I cannot imagine it being any yeah. any better. This is a hell of a film, and this mm. is a real surprise for me. It was for me too. Now, I mean, I think we we both, I think we were expecting something something good. We knew the film had been was held in a pretty high esteem by some people. We had heard uh, yeah. we've heard a couple of people say that they think it's his best or one of their favorites. But still I think we'd have to call ourselves <laughs> call ourselves still pretty pretty surprised. This for for this film to be this good was a was a shock. This is a fantastic film. I don't know, you know, we've talked before mm-hmm. about what movie would you put in somebody's hands to introduce them to Paul Nashi. I don't know that I would use this film, but this might be a good entrance film a good initial film for someone to see just to get an idea of what he's like on screen his Mm -hmm. presence Mm -hmm. on Mm -hmm. screen and also i mean he wrote and directed this movie so it would definitely give you an idea of his his skills his capabilities Mm -hmm. and his sensibilities Mm -hmm. this is a this is an amazing film i'm i don't know that i would push someone to see this as their first nashi film but maybe they're second. I was about to say, it would be very interesting to pair it with some of the films like Horror Rises from the Tomb that we yeah. talked about that we would because say like, you know, here's the class, here's Nashi at his best, what you, what you, what people think of when they think of Nashi, you know, and then yeah. throw the second one out and say, now here's the Nashi you don't know. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and, <you> exactly. Know. <laughs> and, and that's what, that's what I begin to wonder a little bit about because he, uh, you know, for, for years and years, Nashi was so poorly regarded in his home country. But the fact that they had access to films like this, and still he was, I mean, not not as well regarded, just seems like a crime. I mean, this is this is the kind of film that I can't Im- I can imagine any filmmaker being proud of. Yeah. I mean, this is an amazing piece of filmmaking. I'd be so. interested to know how much the people in his home country, how much access to this film they had, because I, even though it was made in the eighties, I guarantee you, no, 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 it or was, late seventy uh, nine. It came out in seventy nine. Seventy nine. I yeah. guarantee you, there's some stuff in here that couldn't have. 
pleased a lot of Spanish censors. Uh, there's a lot of the Spanish yeah, authorities couldn't right. have been too happy with some things in this film. So I'd be interested to know just how much. Maybe it's why the prints in such great shape because it'd be interesting to know how much it actually got <laughs> shown. Yeah, I don't know. I, we I, I'd have to we, we'd have to talk to whoever's in control of uh, mm-hmm. the rights to the film to find out you know, just just how. Mm-hmm much trouble it was to, to mm-hmm. find a decent print or if they actually were able to go to a negative and get a really good, mm-hmm. uh, an interpositive. An I don't know. It would be, it'd be interesting to find out. But regardless, what we're going to talk about tonight is mm-hmm. the film itself. Yeah, and we will talk about it in detail, scene by scene. So if you're just coming into our show, new to the show, this is how we roll here. We go by scene by scene to the end. Uh, so if you don't like spoilers, you might want to go back, find the film, see it before you listen to this podcast. But uh, if you are new to the show, welcome, and uh, don't let that frighten you away from us. Don't let it don't let it run you off. I will say this: I don't know that it's possible to really ruin or spoil this movie because any description that you read of this movie mm-hmm. kind of gives away the basic. That's true because you know? it's a very because it's a very simple idea, a very simple plot. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's 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 not it's not as if there's something hidden from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story plays itself out. What, what's beautiful is the structure of the film is so entertaining, and the way it's the way the the elements of it are handled is so well done that even if somebody told you like we're going to mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> plot by plot point what happens and yeah. scene by scene what what went down, seeing it you still got to see it. Yeah, <laughs> it's just an amazing. Scene is believing in this film. Yeah, that's Ooh, true. This this is this is one heck of a movie, but. Um, um, like to point out that once again, you can get hold of us. Uh, you can drop us an email at uh, nashicast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Give us your ideas. Um, anything, anything you wanna you wanna write us about, even if it's just to to, to put us on spam list, which apparently plenty of people do. No kidding, we get some bizarre spams through the. Uh, yeah, just just, just for future reference, I didn't really ever care for the band Tool in the first place, and therefore don't care about a Tool cover band. <laughs> just, just in case you're curious, I actually got like care. I actually got like Tool, but I still don't care about a Tool cover band. So, uh, uh, yeah, so it really means nothing to you know, yeah. and uh, you know, and 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 um, and werewolves do not need penis enlargers. So, uh, as werewolves, <laughs> we do not, you know. Oh, and also, do not send us- also, werewolves have plenty of hair. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, we, we don't need a, a grow hair thing because we're we good. have plenty of it. So. We're good. All right. <laughs> so. Uh, bear with us for a few seconds, and we will get into our discussion of El Caminante. Gracias, señor. Mi nombre es Tomás. Y el mío, Leonardo. En verdad, Tomás, que el hombre es el único bicho auténticamente malo de la creación. Y eso es lo que hace que el diablo tenga asegurado su trabajo. ¿Algún hombre bueno habrá? No digo que no. Pero es casi tan difícil como que vuelva una mula. Y si no, fíjate en lo que han hecho contigo. Primero, tu madre te abandona, cosa que ni la más asquerosa limaña de la selva haría con su cría. Luego te recoge un familiar y te alimenta con las obras que quedan en su pocilga, te muele a palos y te hace trabajar hasta caer reventado. Verdad es que aquellos parientes mal me lo hicieron pasar. Reflexiona. Más tarde sirves a varios amos a cual peor. Siguen moliéndote a palos y matándote de hambre. Mala gente era, mala en verdad. El rico se caga en el pobre y le saca la sangre como una sanguijuela. Y el pobre, en cuanto puede, le corta el cuello al rico. <risa> Así son los humanos. En este mundo todo es innoble y rastrero. Todo tiene un precio. Todo se compra y todo se vende. Lo mismo la honra de una mujer que el honor de un caballero. Pero vos no sois tan perverso. ¿Pudisteis matar al viejo cabrón y no lo hicisteis? ¿Por qué? Bah, me sentí generoso. Y además daba lo mismo. 
Ese mal bicho tiene las horas contadas sobre la Tierra. Por seguro te doy que viajará directamente al infierno. El Caminate, a.k.a. The Traveler, 1979, written and directed and starring Paul Nashi. All right. Before we get into this, Troy and I are going to have to confess that when we first saw this movie, when we first went through it, I know we, we both felt a little overwhelmed because it is, first, a very good movie, a very mm. literary movie, and mm. a very sharply written movie, and... For a couple of guys who just spent the past year plus delving deeply into werewolf movies mm -hmm. and uh, strange, you know, jokes about sex as mm -hmm. often as we could make them about these particular movies, we felt like we might be in a little over our heads. Uh, feeling inadequate to the task is about the best way that I could put it. Here, here how's this for a good analogy? It's like a man who uh, comes home and realizes that he's just entered a room in which five naked women are looking at him with lascivious glances. <laughs> he's got a job in front of him, and he's not sure he's going to be able to do it very well. <laughs> That's us with this film. But we're going to take a shot at it, and lucky, mm -hmm. luckily mm -hmm. for us, mm -hmm. we got help. And we hope we'll leave you well satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to take it that far, but hey, yeah, not bad, all right. <laughs> We have help. Luckily, our beloved Elena, mm -hmm. our Spanish correspondent, mm -hmm. the host of Horror Rises from Spain on Cult Radio Agogo, -Go, by the way, mm -hmm. helped us out a little bit. Yeah, As a matter of fact, so. uh, when she heard that we were going to cover this film, she sent us a little information about it so that we could have a little bit more background information about it, which, I'll be honest, only really terrified us even more <laughs> until we sat down with the movie and realized, okay, well, First and foremost, this is a really entertaining film, and so no matter what we do, we can't screw this up too bad because anybody who watches this film is going to get a kick out of it. So yeah, yeah. we're going to start with her, e or at least excerpts from her email about uh, the background of this story, what uh, Nashi was playing with from Spanish literature, and then we'll go on from there going through the film. She wrote, uh, I've just heard that you're doing El, Com El Caminate, in my opinion, Nashi's masterpiece. In order to understand all things behind this movie, you have to take into account some features about Spanish literature. What Nashi did in that movie was a kind of summary of all Spanish picaresque and medieval and even Baroque literature, and there are a lot of references to that inside the movie. First, the opening scene with the boy by the river. That is a guy, uh, the fellow that is a guide for the blind person is clearly a starting point based on the first Spanish picaresque novel called El Lazario. Uh, also, all the cheating on women and so on is based on a series of short tales compiled in a book called Los Centros del Conde Lucanor. Lucanor. See, I'm going <laughs> to script the He practiced this for 20 minutes, folks. And, <laughs> and he's still blowing it. Oh, I apologize, Elena. Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay, okay, okay. Anyway, Los Centros del Conde Lucanor, a medieval work. Also, that conception of women being a kind of prostitute and so on is based on a book called El Corbacho, mm -hmm. written by a cleric whose name I'm not even going to try to pronounce. Mm -hmm. Okay, in that book, he characterized women basing his characterizations only on their attitudes. So, you know, they're all bad, and he talked mm -hmm. about some stereotype, stereotypical actions that women do. It's a very funny book. He was thrown he was thrown some stones in those times, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. He also talks about luxury and how women are responsible for that sin and how women trick men and so on and so forth. And uh, You do, you do. Women do <laughs> trick men. That's what they do. 
she also sent us a link to an article that I'm going to throw in the show notes so other people can check it out as well because uh, this particular book uh, looks to be really the best work to, to kind of compare to this film because it really, uh, in a lot of ways, El Caminante is a, a bit of a, a an adaptation of this particular book. Is it called uh, El Bergeron? Uh, it is called El... No, um, it's El, Bus- El Buscon. El Buscon. Uh-huh. Um, Written by... Uh, uh, gosh, what was his name? Um, you're going to try his name, really? I think it was... Uh, yeah, let's give it... Uh, Cavedo, I think. Or oh, Cavedo. Cavedo, I think. So. But uh, it's it's basically about a, a swindler, about a swindler who goes through life so he sets out with two aims to learn virtue and to become a gentleman uh, and apparently fails miserably at both. Uh, once you see El Caminante, you'll see some parallels. Well, and, and also realize the brilliance of, of how Paul Nashi used this, you know, this apparently this Spanish form of literature, this picaresque, as they call it, there to how he twists, you know, with the twist he put on it to what his character, especially if you hear about this El Buscan. This guy who has aspirations to of to virtue, and then see what Paul Nashi's main character and yeah. what his aspirations are. It's a wonderful uh, kind of twist on it. There, yeah, so, it's yeah. it's one one side of the coin versus the other. Yeah, really. very cool. She also says for the fantastic fantastic elements, I would check Chaucer. Uh, she says, "Sorry, I read Canterbury Tales many years ago, so I cannot remember them properly. But I know for sure there is something in the movie from them." And she's right. There's there's mm-hmm. more than a few moments in there where I I kept looking around, mm-hmm. waiting to see the gap tooth woman, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but um, this is what we read a, a few weeks back mm-hmm. and realized, wow, we may have. I, if I'd read this email before we decided to do El Caminante, I think I may have pushed mm-hmm. it back, just feeling like I wasn't really prepared <laughs> yet to do this, but. Uh, Onward and upward, we promised we'd do it, and here we go. And man, in the final evaluation, I am so glad I finally got to see this yeah. movie. And by the way, uh, I think Elena's living. A, I think Elena's own life is a picaresque based on the way she, <laughs> based based on what we know of her. So, luckily, she's not living in the medieval times. That's so. right. That's right. All right. Speaking of medieval times, here we go. The film starts with a pre-credit sequence. You see, uh, we're out in the countryside. And you see uh, Nashi walking toward the camera. It's obviously a period piece. He's walking forward to a toward a man who's sitting next to a campfire, and the man sitting at the camp, campfire is uh, is pretty well dressed, mm-hmm. whereas Nashi is dressed in what looks to be you know, it, they're they're okay. It's okay clothing, but he's dressed in what would probably be called rags. Not not very mm-hmm. good clothing. Mm-hmm. The man at the fire is well dressed, and even has a, a rapier or a sword. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting there, and he's obviously cooked some uh, some food there, and is and is sitting in the fire, and is. Nashi comes up, uh, he approaches, he says, I come in peace, uh, I'm but a humble traveler. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the fellow at the fire wel- uh, welcomes, in, welcomes him in after uh, being sure that he's he's not some, some criminal trying to, to rob him. Offers him some of his food, even some wine. Yeah. And they, they talk. Yeah. This this film has wonderful dialogue yes, in it. it. I mean, there's so many good lines, there's no way we can get to all of them. Uh, d- uh, this one has just some classics right off the, the bat where uh, Nashi, oh, Nashi's character is describing his, his uh, hunger and thirst. He says, my, my jaws creak as if rusty from abandonment. Abandon. Yes, <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love this. Yeah. The The dialogue throughout this movie is a joy yeah. and uh it's there the there's a lot and i mean a lot of humor in this film some of mm-hmm. it very cutting and sarcastic mm-hmm. but some of it is just wonderful wonderful uh, observations and, and bits of uh, mm-hmm. dialogue that mm-hmm. are, are just a scream yeah that you can even take out of context and use another it's wonderful stuff but they sort of here in this scene they sort of both lament lament the de- you know the death of charity they charity is waning you know talking about how you know it's hard to find 
fellow man to give you give you a, a help and the uh, they kind of talk talk about uh, talk about themselves and explain their their position in life and the uh, the, the well dressed fellow with the sword explains that he's down on his luck and is broke now he uh, actually um, was a gambler and has managed to lose everything he inherited mm-hmm. uh, he says he's he lost his uh, his lands his uh, his money and even his honor. All he has left is the fine clothing. That explains how he still has, you yeah. know, he still he still dressed well, even though yeah. he has no other means. And um, Nashi's character explains that, oh well, he used to be a a soldier, but he was wounded uh, wounded in the chest, and the mm-hmm. the wound has made it so that really he can't he can't work anymore, mm-hmm. and uh, therefore is taken to the road to 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 beg for you know to to kind of live off of uh, the charity of others, and that ain't working out so well. The uh, well-dressed man explains that I, you know, I know where you're coming from, but uh, there was a there's a farm down the road a, a while, and actually uh, the husband and wife there uh, did give me some food and drink. That's that's mm-hmm. what we're eating now. Mm-hmm. And he describes uh, the couple as as very nice, and the the wife is uh, is la- is lame, but uh, very fair and and polite. They're decent people, and uh, obviously good Christians, no doubt. Mm-hmm. But the point at which Nashi this film is filled with good Christians. In the, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the but the point at which Nashi's character explains that he's a, a soldier who was wounded and therefore can't uh, can't mm. ply his trade in that way anymore. The well dressed younger man sneers at this and eventually just calls him out and and says that he's that he's a liar and he says I I know what kind of person you are you're mm. you're you're not uh, I can't use I can't remember the phrase he uses um, uh yeah I don't know if I've got it in there too but uh but yeah it basically says you didn't you know you didn't, you didn't oh yeah he says you you just don't want to work that's right what, that's, right yeah that's what it is oh and I should point out uh just before this as they're talking uh, I was able to figure out when the film was supposed to be taking place because uh, the uh, the well dressed young man mm, right. talks about that he's off to court to enlist in uh, Gonzalo uh, de Cordoba's army. He says war is my last chance to make something of myself, and I don't want to waste it. Yeah. So I look I look this fellow up, and he mentions in another line the specific campaign that this this fellow is about to go on. And so I was able to nail down. So this film takes place in the late 1490s. Oh, okay. Nice. So uh, kind of neat to be able to just from clues yeah, within the film itself. I know there's not been many of these <laughs> Nashi films we've been able to totally pinpoint the exact year. But this, but with this, this one you can, yeah. So late 1490s is the time period of the film. Mm-hmm. And we should say right off the bat that the one of the conceits of the film, one of the neater things about the movie is that it takes place over the course of one calendar year. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, from, from, the, from beginning to end, it, it covers one year. So that kind of tells you where you are and what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Nashi's character, who at this point we haven't been told his name, I don't think. Have we been told that his name is Leonardo? No, no. Well, he does not react well to this uh, this calling out of him. By... Yeah, but uh, on the other hand, I think this scene was still going to end. I think I think this encounter <laughs> was still going, regardless of what the other guy said. I think this was where this was heading <laughs> to begin yeah, with. Yeah, you're, you're, you're probably right. He calls him a libertine. I don't like your words, and <laughs> kicks uh, kicks ashes into his face, and then grabs a dagger off of him and stabs him to death. Mm-hmm. So, and of course, he robs the cor- he robs the corpse, and immediately finds uh, some money on him. So mm-hmm. even then, he's calling him a liar. <laughs> you said you didn't have any money. <laughs> I, I really like that. Uh, yeah, now, yeah. at this point, that that's the end of that, and we have the credit sequence now. Uh, this is a good point where we normally like to, to, to talk about the uh, the score, 
And this is one where I can praise the score. Yeah, I thought so. I like it. I think it's I, good. I like the score, and you're going to hear the score at the end of the uh, at the end of the podcast. So keep your ears peeled for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the score. I like uh, it's a good score. It's varied. When it needs to be humorous and light, yeah, it's humorous it and light. Fits when it when mm-hmm. it needs to be dark and kind of uh, sinister in tone, it, it it does that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, like, yeah, I like I like it. the score. Mm-hmm. But under the credits, we see uh, Nashi walking along with the staff through the countryside and then as the credits end mm-hmm. we see him uh, walking along and just stop and look around at the honestly yeah. beautiful yeah. countryside around him and he says the world is so beautiful i shall enjoy it yeah, yeah. and yeah. that is where we start mm-hmm. he's, he's walking along and he's walking through the walking the through this road there are fields on either side where uh melons and other things are growing mm-hmm. and there's a man taking a crap in the field <laughs> no i love the way that we don't get far in this film before we we see this film sensibilities uh, you know, right up right front, up yeah. Front. It's like, hey, here's a man just taking a crap by the side of the by the side, side of the road, road in the field. <laughs> and uh, Nashi just walks up and uh, takes one of the melons off the ground and is stumping it to make sure it's yeah. it's ripe. And this guy is, well, obviously wants to stop crapping and keep him from stealing the melon. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he, he's really kind of in the middle of things. And... I know he's like. You know, you're going to steal from me when I'm in this kind of position? (laughs) (laughs) And Nashi just sneers at him and and then throws a rock and hits him in the damn forehead and kind of busts his head open. So, uh, next scene But I love the way that, you know, the guy so much overreacts still more than the, you know, because he says something like, my brains are bashed out or something like that. Oh, I know. (laughs) I was really kind of surprised because... When he when he hits him, I mean, it bloodies his forehead, yeah, yeah. and it really does look like this oh, horrible sure. wound. Yeah, but but at the same time, I didn't expect Nashi's character to, to to hit him so hard like that. I mean, he didn't get anywhere near him. He just picked up this rock and he hit him in the slam. head. <laughs> Sling, boom, down. So uh, Nashi's cut open the melon and is sitting beside a river eating it. When up walks the uh, aforementioned blind man mm. and the the his young guide, mm. this younger man. Is obviously putting up with this blind man for for whatever reason. Uh, we 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 mm-hmm. give a little we get a little detail later on, but the blind man is an ass. Yes, yes. He's total. doing nothing and but then, bitching and mm-hmm. bitching and mm-hmm. bitching and bitching. I mean, it was awful, man. I mean, I would have beat the hell out of him myself. I mean, mm-hmm. at this point, when Nashi starts doing what he does, you're kind of on his side because what he does mm-hmm. is the blind man doesn't realize Nashi's there, and yeah. Nashi signals at once he's listened to this guy yeah. berate his young guide. For for a few minutes, he signals to the to the young guy to to just yeah. don't don't, don't mention that I'm here. Don't let him know yeah. that I'm here. And uh, the uh, the young guy goes to get the blind man some water, and Nashi signals him to come over. And Nashi <laughs> just pees into the guy's <laughs> drinking cup and has the servant take yeah. it take take it over to the blind guy. And when the blind dude takes a drink, spasming and cursing and pissed off the whole time. Nashi just walks over and kicks him in the ass and kicks him into the river yep. and then picks up his staff and is going to drown him in the water. Yeah, he's apparently, I think he would have gone through with complete drowning, but basically the young man kind of speaks up for him and says, you know... You know he's not that kill, bad. Yeah, just, don't kill him. Yeah, so. so already in the first few minutes, we've had defecating, defecation, <laughs> urination. You, you can start to yeah. see where we're going with this, and, and, and um, I'm assuming that this is probably a, a, um, what it reminded me of, and... A lot of this film, uh, and it's not Spanish literature, it's actually French, but uh, uh, Gargantua and Pantagruel by uh, Rabelais, uh, I remember that, that, that this kind of scatological and, and sexual, you know, and baldy humor um, yeah. is what it really reminded me of, and it wouldn't surprise me if Nashi had familiarity with that too, although probably this kind of earthy 
raw humor is probably part of that Spanish picaresque tradition too. I assume that these are these these basically from what we can tell these sound like they're uh, these stories are essentially have the same effect as as kind of uh, baldy ballads and that sort of thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. Or you know, even even I mean, if you want to cut it cut it down to mm. just really silly things, just even just really dirty limericks to a degree. Yeah, sure, sure. So yeah, a lot of lowbrow humor in this, and a yep. lot of subtle, a lot a lot of great you know the subtleties in the some of the dialogue and then visually it's very uh, uh you know very broad and it's you know it's humor, very so. very true but it, it what what's great is that um i was reminded of uh, of tom jones and oh, that's and, good, and, yeah. and, and, and the yeah. way in which these things this combination of the low and the high humor mm. really work together because it gets to a point where you really can't you can't be sure what you're going to be hit with next. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't know what's coming down the pike because one minute it could be something completely broad and ridiculous and almost like something out of a Benny Hill episode. Yeah, right. And then the next, it could be some really cruel and, and pointed yeah. commentary on something in a humorous fashion. Well, uh, he doesn't drown the guy, but he, he tells the young guy, uh, the, the young man whose name is Tomas, look, you know, you, you can come with me and you can be my servant. I'll treat you a lot better than this guy. Mm-hmm. And so they leave the blind guy flailing around on the river and they go off together. Mm-hmm. And he reveals to the to Tomas that his name is Leonardo. The traveler kind of says his name's Leonardo. This is where we fall. This is where the movie starts falling into the pattern that it that it has for the rest of, to, for the rest of its running time. Right. And I love this pattern. The pattern is this: we have adventures essentially self-contained little adventures where they're going to they're going out to do some specific thing to rob someone or or uh, find shelter with some specific bunch of people or do whatever Mm -hmm. and in between those breaking it up as they travel from place to place are the conversations between the two of them as leonardo Mm -hmm. nashi's character essentially kind of spells out his philosophy of life what he thinks of the world what he thinks of people in general as the young Tomas, his protege, mm-hmm. kind of soaks this up and tries to figure out where he stands with all this stuff. Right. And so here we have our first one of those scenes, and it's really fantastic because as as Leonardo talks, he basically lays out very mm-hmm. clearly in these segments of the film just exactly what he thinks and where he's going with things, which is that man is the only true evil being of creation. Mm-hmm. The devil's work is easy, yeah. Because yeah. all he has to do is put things in front of man, and man will mm-hmm. will do yeah. the most obscene and yeah. the most horrible, wretched, terrible things to obtain money or mm-hmm. to sate his lust or whatever. Mm-hmm. The only uh, he he concedes to Tomas that there may be some good people in the world, but uh, his quote he says it would be easier to find a flying mule than a good person. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love this. We we learned that uh, Tomas, he, Leonardo uses Tomas's life example, up to them as an example. He says, your you're, life, yeah. You're, "Yeah, you've been shit on your entire life. Your mother abandoned you. What mm-hmm. what animal would do that? What mm-hmm. animal would do that? But humans do it." Mm-hmm. He says, uh, uh, "The rich shit on the poor and suck their blood like leeches, mm-hmm. and the poor slit their throats as as soon as as soon as they can." He says, "That's humanity." Mm-hmm. There's a price for everything, and mm-hmm. if you can afford the price, then you can have anything. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's a dark, dark, yeah. cynical. His philosophy is like, it's anything goes in trying to acquire wealth because acquiring wealth is the only way you reach any kind of satisfaction, satisfaction, comfort, get to indulge in any kind of of pleasures. It's a it's a harsh it's mm-hmm. a harsh thing, and what I love is that 
Now she was smart enough that while he's espousing all this stuff during this whole sequence when they're walking along and they're mm-hmm. they're talking, mm-hmm. the music underneath it is just light enough to lend it a to lend it a slightly humorous tone because mm-hmm. otherwise it would be a little dark. And then yeah. as the film goes on, that changes mm-hmm. a little bit as you start to see things happen that you don't necessarily think would be a good idea to happen. Right. So from here they venture to the farmhouse of the couple that mm-hmm. the a uh, well-dressed man told him about earlier. He says, "I, you know, I, I heard, I heard about this couple. Apparently, they're mm-hmm. they're very charitable. Mm-hmm. Once again, good Christians. So mm-hmm. they uh, they go there and they uh, they spend the night in the the couple's barn. And the next morning, when the husband sets out to go about his labors, he says, you know, glad, glad to have you here. When I, you know, mm-hmm. when I before you guys set out, we'll we'll give you some food and a little money mm-hmm. and send, you know, if you, you can chop go on your that way. wood, we won't very it's yeah. like yeah, good luck getting work out of these guys. <laughs> yeah, of really. Guy. So the husband goes off." And uh, Leonardo lets uh, Tomas sleep on as uh, he says a nice little voiceover about the husband. Mm -hmm. You 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 shouldn't leave me with your wife. (laughs) uh, That woman's in. (laughs) He says she's in heat and yearning. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, my God. So he goes in with a lute and Mm -hmm. starts talking to to the wife. And uh, starts a little bit of a seduction. And his all the dialogue is filled with uh, little double entendres. Oh, God, yeah. It's, it's like, yeah. Um. And, and he gives her, he, he gives uh, uh, Inez, the, mm. uh, the wife, who's gorgeous, oh, by Sylvia the way. Oh, Sylvia Aguilar, man. I don't, care if, I don't care if that woman's limping or not. It don't matter. She's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, this is, yeah, Sylvia Aguilar, we will, um, I don't think oh, yeah. we've seen her yet, but we will see her uh, when we get around to Night of the Werewolf. Uh, I know she's in that. Yes. Um, she's also in Human Beasts. I was about to say, yeah, in Human she's Beasts. She's in Human Beasts, and uh, she was in she was in a, a number a number of interesting films that I have mm. not yet seen, including mm. um, Everybody Calls Me the Cat hmm. and Alice in Spanish Wonderland. Wow, no, that's Alice in Spanish Wonderland. That's that, a, that's that, a film, that's man. Yeah. I'm gonna have to eventually see that, especially considering that she made this around made that around the same time, and she's oh, just she's a stunner, an incredibly beautiful woman. But she's trying to trick us. Remember. Oh well, that's right. She's a woman. She's trying. She's trying to trying trick to a trick, man. Trying to trick a man. Just trying to trick a man. <laughs> All right. Okay. So. Um, By the way, there's the little bits of you know. Um, at one point, uh, uh, she asks him about what about the boy? What about Tomas? And he says he's sleeping like an angel. And it's just the more the film goes on. <laughs> I forgot about that. You're almost right. every line can be oh, wow. broken into some sort of reference to the film or the story you're seeing. It's just it, but there's constant little things like that, little references to, you know, God, the devil, hell, heaven, and, and just the oh, way yeah. people's everyday phrasing. Which taken in the just context the way they of this film yeah. is 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 make, gives every line just some sort of, of alter alternative meaning. There, it's very very it's, nice. It's really nice. I cannot stress how much I enjoyed the dialogue yeah. in this film. Uh, but uh, Nashi gives her the big uh, patented Nashi stare of lust. Yes, yeah. And uh, then he actually sings to her, which which is cool with the with the lute. He sings to her. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that he. Yeah, it's it's really and nice. We, he, we mean L U T E, not L O O T. I mean lute as in the instrument. Lute, lute. as in the musical string instrument. Yes. yes. And uh, he, he sings he sings a couple of songs for her and explains that those are those are some of the songs that they're list, that they're playing at court these days. And mm-hmm. she's really thrilled by this. And then he immediately sits down next to her, talking to her, and starts kissing her neck and. And grabbing her, uh, and... grabbing her breasts, and she's really resistant, really resistant at first. Mm-hmm. But then, I, what I think is amazing I think about I know what this, you're going to say, go ahead. <laughs> what what snaps her, what really turns the corner and makes mm-hmm. her lust become mm-hmm. completely inflamed, is she, she. One of the last things she says before she 
changes her attitude is that her leg, her wounded leg, which, you know, was, was hurt in an accident, which is why she has the limp mm-hmm. is, is hideous to look at. Mm-hmm. And he goes down on his knees and pulls up her skirt and kisses and licks the wound, the, the healed over scar. Mm-hmm. And, Basically showing her mm-hmm. right out, this does not bother me. This is no terrible thing. This is yeah. not something you should be worried about. And from there on, she is raring to go. Right. Did it remind you of something else? It reminded me of a lot of things. Well, I mean, remind you of something oh, we've oh. seen. Well, yeah. <laughs> Bring it back. Focus. Focus, right? Focus, focus. Did it yes. remind you of uh, something we've seen in, in another Nashi film? The same, sort of, oh. the same sort of scene. The same sort of idea. Well, Blue, the, Blue uh, Eyes of the Broken the Doll. The, the the oh. with uh with her hand the, the one with the deformed arm who's ashamed of her arm you're and doesn't right, think that right. doesn't think that Nashi's character would be attracted to her and so he makes a point of kissing her her fake kissing her fake arm uh, that's the first thing I thought I thought that was interesting that he brings that up again and that 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 turns up again in 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 another story you're yeah. right you're right I'm I had not it had not occurred to me but you're correct yeah. now at one point here when Inez is during the middle of the seduction when she basically is is starting to to you know, respond, or I guess obviously finding herself responding to the, the Nashi Musk. Let's go and say it. You know, we had to say it at least once, the Nashi Musk. Yeah. She says, uh, she, uh, she says, Mother, guard me from temptation. And yeah. we will see that as a pattern throughout the movie is that at some point characters give it all up for, you know, somebody else to save them from their own, you know, their own emotions, just their like, own you know, as a way of, sinful nature. as a way of being able to excuse what they want to do by yeah. saying that, hey, you know, the devil made me do it, or, you know, or, or somebody else needs to protect me from, someone else needs to save me from, you know, say, well, from, see that. from myself, save me from myself. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, so that'll that'll pop up again in the film, but... Uh, well, anyway. what I love is that if there's any doubt that she's definitely okay with what's about to happen, and she says, well, let's, let's go upstairs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they go up to the bedroom, <laughs> and then you have this amazingly well-photographed sex mm-hmm. scene between mm-hmm. the two of them, mm-hmm. and which is incredibly erotic and these are actually some of the best sex scenes i think as far as most erotically filmed we've seen in in any of, in any of the films, in any of nash's yeah. films you know it's it's a lot of times the a lot of times the filming of the sex scenes is a little bit by the numbers is a little bit you Crude, know however however attractive the the yeah. women may be and you know it can often be just sometimes yeah just not real real imaginative in a lot of cases but this is some of the 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 most best yeah eroticism we've seen i think in his in his films it re- it really is it's it's beautiful um it, it's beautiful. It is erotic, and it is honestly it, it, it could be considered a real turn on. Except that you're kind of constantly being reminded <laughs> of what a bastard this guy is because he doesn't give you the chance, yeah, to have any of what I would refer to as the afterglow. Yeah. <laughs> any of these no, sequences. he's uh, he's not he's not much one for for pillow talk and uh, <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> and sending but, send, you know sending 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 flowers the next day and all that. <laughs> what I love is uh, some of the things that she says while they're having sex. She's on top of him having sex, and Such he had pleasure. promised yeah. her. He had promised her yeah. that if she get she while he was seducing her that I, I'll give you pleasure that mm-hmm. your husband had never even dreamed mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. And, uh, while they're having sex, she says, it's like I'm being possessed by the devil. I mean, she's obviously apparently mm-hmm. having the first orgasm yeah. of her entire life. Well, you know, again, you know, if you think women aren't supposed to enjoy sex now, just try in 1498, you know, I mean, we can probably <laughs> lead to believe that Nashi may be the only yeah. character in this film that's equipped to, to <laughs> give a, you know, to, to actually, actually cares to give a woman pleasure really, because, you know, because probably, he has I imagine her, motive. Her husband's yeah. probably the classic roll-on, roll-off type, you know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, actually, I guess oh. in her case with her leg, I guess it's not even that. So you know, yeah, it's, it's yeah, but, uh, yeah. Well, the the thing the 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 thing is, they 
they have uh, they have uh, apparently quite quite amazing mm-hmm. sex. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, Nashi gets up, gets himself dressed, explain explains to the beautiful Inez that uh, well, I've given you pleasure. Now you have to pay me. <laughs> yeah. Now before he says that, I just want to say I love this exchange because where where she says uh, she says, "Will you return?" He says, "I always do." Yeah. Great line there yeah, again, based on, based, based on based on what we find out about his character. So, but I, I love that line. But anyway, yes, you're right. Uh, he suddenly starts saying, "Okay, you know, pay me." Uh, Gave you great sex. He forces her to show her where they keep their stash of money, mm-hmm. uh, takes it, mm-hmm. and then makes her bend over the bed and pulls out his knife and carves an L into one of her ass cheeks. See, was it, was it L? Because I thought, I couldn't tell if it was an L or if it was a, for Leonardo, but see, it also looked to me like an upside down cross and all the way it was. And no, so I like, like it. So it's, it's, it's like an L to you? Okay. Oh, yeah, it's, which either one makes sense. I mean, L for Leonardo or. Yeah. Something else, and then you know, but yep. like I said, I, but yeah. But which, what he what he says oh then? God, horrible. Gimp or no gimp, I like to brand the cattle. Yeah, that's. Oh uh, my god! Now that is yeah. Now that that's that's where the film takes that turn. That that's not humorous. That's actually pretty grim. That's, that's pretty, grim. Pretty bad. I mean, yeah. That is really really grim. Yeah. Oh man, and it's at this point. Oh, by the way, I just want to say now this did become the movie poster. One of the, this may be the greatest movie poster for a film ever. You know, <laughs> that's true <laughs> because of that actually became the 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 brand the scene of of Sylvia Aguilar's ass with the with the L on it is actually became the movie poster. And, uh, <laughs> and with, it's a fine fine <laughs> piece of artwork. Yeah, it is. It is. Now, you said I, piece I of artwork. It. I thought you were going to say something else. Oh, it's, it's, oh, it's a, a fine. It's a fine everything. I mean, yeah. well, what's funny is uh, it was about a year or more ago that I posted up on uh, on mm-hmm. the bloody pit of rod. I posted up that piece of artwork and just out of sheer <laughs> amazement that it existed at all. At oh, that point, no. it was just a film that I didn't even have a copy of and didn't yeah. have a chance to see, but I was just, I just remember looking at that and going, holy crap, that's the artwork for the film. I gotta see this. Well, again, making you wonder how much the film got seen. I'd like to know how many places displayed that, you know, how, how, how much that poster got displayed, you know, how many actually <laughs> movie theaters actually put that poster up there. <laughs> well, uh, while uh, while Nashi was upstairs having sex, Tomas uh, eventually got up and wandered into the house and mm-hmm. got himself some food and packed up a little bit of food. And so after the sex is over, <laughs> Leonardo and Tomas are on their way out of there before yep. the husband gets back to find out that, you know, his wife's got a L carved in her ass, obviously. <laughs> and lost all the fan- the and Lost all the money, yeah. And so once again, we've had one little adventure, and so we have them traveling from one place to another. And discussing so we, what they've learned. Exactly. And so on the way, uh, this is where Leonardo talks about uh, money. You do mm-hmm. anything for it. Mm-hmm. And religion and qualms and conscience, that all that is all loser's tripe. Loser's tripe. And of course, I like Tomas. He says, "What about punishment?" Yeah. It's like you just avoid punishment. Yeah, things are good. Bad things are going to happen. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter whether you deserve it or not. It's mm. going to happen. Yeah. Oh wow! I just—it's <laughs> so cruel and cynical. But there's a part of me. Oh, there's a part of me that thinks, you know, he's just—he's just right. Why do bad things happen to good people? Mm. Because bad things happen to everybody, buddy. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, and oh. of course, the, the the question this film is throwing out there is, you know, is 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 there such thing as good people? It's like, you know, rather than is, you know, is anybody really, is anybody really good? You know, is it totally, you yeah. know, or does any, you know, so it, it's it, like, is it, it, it the whole the whole thing about it? would be easier to find a mm-hmm. what a flying, flying mule, mule than, than a good, person. Than a good yeah. person. Well, you know, we shall mm-hmm. we shall see as the movie goes on. So our next little adventure is uh, Leonardo has overheard information. That lets him know that a uh, a money lender named Lopez will be traveling through a certain area. Mm-hmm. Always, he has several guards, mm-hmm. and therefore is not something that the two of them could really take. But he has an idea. Uh, he he explains that we'll just let 
this guy's greed mm-hmm. put us in the position yeah. of being able to take all his money. So they concoct a scheme whereby Leonardo pretends to be a mentally deficient moron, kind of mm-hmm. a village idiot, mm-hmm. who has stumbled across some money. Tomas is this guy who's come across him and, and found the village idiot with the money, found out where the village idiot, village idiot found the money, which is in some ruins off to the side of the main road. Mm-hmm. And comes to them and say, I can't get at this. If you people will help me, we can split the money. Split the money, right. Well, of course, Lopez, the moneylender, who is unfortunately for him traveling with his harpy wife, mm-hmm. thinks this is a great idea, sends uh, Tomas and his guards off to dig this stuff up out of the ruins. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when Nashi's idiot character starts kind of harassing Still pretending to be a moron, mm-hmm. starts harassing the the money the the money lender's wife, fondling her breasts and messing with her and doing all these things and all this of course is stuff that mm-hmm. the money lender's not going to do anything about because a he doesn't like his wife anyway because she's a harpy bitch right and two because he's really he kind of afraid of it well yeah that and he's and, afraid of and he also doesn't want to queer the deal with the, you know getting the money and everything he's willing to you know, he's willing to let all this shit happen well, to his wife because he didn't want to fuck up getting the money and and this is one of the points where the film uh reminded me of also and of, of one of the films reminded me of is uh, we talked i think we talked about the other night it was the magic christian you know yeah. with uh, peter sellers and ringo Starr, where the whole film he's basically showing him you know everybody's idea of themselves and everybody's, you know, pretensions to nobility will or, or to to honor will totally break down if 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 they're offered enough money, if they have a chance for enough wealth or enough gain and, and so yeah. here we see the same sort of thing, this idea in, in Don Lopez and whatever he's he'll he'll let any you know, whatever he's willing to let happen just to make sure he gets this this handle his wealth. I mean obviously he's not fond of his wife to begin with, you know, but no, uh, no. But one of the one of the funny things is before the end of the sequence, one of the funny things is that Leonardo uh takes out, takes out his dick and urinates right mm. next right next to the woman right and she's horrified by this but at the same, same time, time it's kind of like wow that's a really big cock <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh this is an interesting thing lopez the money changer has a stutter he's a stutter yeah, i noticed that and the and the stutter gets worse the more nervous he is and the more the mm. more that's going on mm. and i thought that was interesting as well and i wonder if there's some literary background reason for the the mm money lender the greedy money money lender to be a stutterer but i don't, I don't know, know enough about mm-hmm. literature this type or even the stereotypes that this is probably playing with mm-hmm. to know if there's a specific reason to have that character be a stutterer yeah, that's a good question i did notice that he i don't i don't know I didn't, yeah tomas comes back mm-hmm. having uh having tricked the uh, guardsmen into falling into a giant pit and apparently breaking most of their own bones yeah <laughs> comes back and he and nashi Tie up the uh, husband and wife, take all and take the horses and the money, and they're out of there. And I think Nashi, I, I forgot to write down. I think he makes a reference to something to the the sense of so you know he said so Lopez, you thought you would take advantage of us. I mean, I think that yeah. his assumption is that really what would have happened had all this been a real scenario is that Lopez would have then would have just robbed them of you know oh, yeah. he would have had and that's what we figure probably would have happened. You know, oh that, definitely, if, if there had really been money buried out in those ruins, he would have taken, he would have taken it all. Guys. Yeah. yeah. So we've had yet another adventure, and this one very yeah. obviously keyed toward greed. Right, and they've strung Lopez and his wife. That's where we last see them, is they're basically yep. strung them up. <laughs> and I love the dialogue between the oh, two of great. them as well oh, there at the end. I mean, they don't they did not have to have the, this dialogue between the two of them either, but it's still funny as hell as they're bitching <laughs> oh, at each other. Oh, no, they're just continually at each other, even oh, though they're both funny. strung up from <laughs> trees. <laughs> okay, so the, for the next in-between section, we have them traveling along and talking and this is where once again we have leonardo lay out some interesting stuff mm-hmm. leonardo uh, explains as they're as they're traveling along 
that uh, he he lists off the seven deadly sins: pride, greed, lust, anger, gluttony, envy, sloth, and just says these are just the natural way of man. This is mm-hmm. just what we mm-hmm. do, and to to try to circumscribe them is ridiculous because mm-hmm. it's not going to happen. You're going to do all of them one way or the other. Right. They uh, come their their next adventure seems like we're going to advance to pride because they get to this mm-hmm. uh, this home uh, of a, of a well to do woman. Mm-hmm. She's a, a widow. She takes them in and and feeds them. And uh, since at this point they're very well dressed, they present themselves as traveling gentlemen. Mm-hmm. She's willing to accept them because she thinks they are of her class. Mm-hmm. She's a widow. She and Leonardo were talking uh, after dinner, mm-hmm. and he uh, she explains how her how her husband died in a duel. Once mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. he died in a contest that would indicate he died because of the sin of pride mm-hmm. right <clears throat> and uh explains her situation and and her 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 problems and the biggest problem she has is she, her young daughter is very sick right and uh, no one can seem to uh mm-hmm. find a way to make her well and mm-hmm. she's fear she's fearful that her daughter will die the, oh, by the way, the, the name of the the name of the character is is lady uh Uranka 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 yeah but the good the good lady lay, lays out her problems, mm-hmm. and Leonardo, being the suave devil that he is, mm-hmm. explains to her that uh, well, basically says, well, let me let me take a look let me take a look at the the girl, and she says she she asks, are you a doctor? He says, well, no, but I, I traveled extensively in the spice countries, yeah, he says, yeah, and uh, learned mm-hmm. a number of things there, and so I I might be able to I might be able to help. Let me take a look at her. He's he's brought in, looks at the girl, and then explains that. Um, he thinks he can cure the girl, but if he's going to do it, there's a price. Mm-hmm. And the price is, dear old mom is going to have to have sex with yeah. me. Yeah. She, of course, we're talking about the sin of pride here. Mm-hmm. She's way above this. She's mm-hmm. she's completely taken aback that this request would even be made. Mm-hmm. And he says, look, I, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, I can, mm-hmm. I can cure your daughter. Mm-hmm. All you've got to do is have sex with me. Mm-hmm. So she said she finally relents and says, "If you can, you can do what you say. Right. I will submit to you." I love the fact that he he makes all this he 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 very quick he very smoothly indicates that he that he needs to to go to their uh, to their garden to to get some herbs to mm. to do what he's going to do. But as the film is going along, we're giving more and more clues about his true nature. And so we see him quote unquote, treating the young girl. And the first thing he does is he covers with a, with a cloth. He covers the holy icon, the religious, the religious icons in the, in the room before he does whatever he does with the little girl. Mm -hmm. And the next morning, the little girl is cured. She's very, she's healthy and happy and is, is, is reaching out to, to, to hold her mom. And Mm -hmm. she looks as if she's completely well. Yeah. And so, of course, the Leonardo demands his payment. Yeah. And, uh, well, she submits. Mm-hmm. She doesn't like it very much. She's not happy about it. Mm-hmm. But as the motion of the ocean finally gets to her, <laughs> she does seem to enjoy now, herself. And now here's something, too. Is <clears throat> I thought it was uh, the I thought this scene, once again, a, a very gorgeously filmed, very erotic yes. scene. And the way it begins with it, it's, it's, it's an oddly tender love scene. I know, I know. Particularly the fact of considering his character that, I mean, he begins it all once he undresses her. I think, if I remember right, I think he kneels and, like, kisses her hands or something. I mean, it's it's a very yeah. touching and kind of oddly tender sort of moment 
for him, it's very strange. He seems to go through some physical motions before mm-hmm. they actually get to mm-hmm. the the naked grunting. Right, yeah. That yeah. Is, is, is part and parcel of any sex scene. That would be more along the lines of the things that you he would do that would just put her a little bit more at ease so mm-hmm. that she accepts and goes along until mm-hmm. she breaks and mm-hmm. then is mm-hmm. really into it and really physically enjoying the sexual act. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, very clever and done without any dialogue, done just visually and done very effectively. I really, mm-hmm. really liked it. It's, yeah. it's another. It's not as erotic as the, the previous sex no. scene, but it's still very effectively done. And mm-hmm. uh, the performance of the actress really sells her, first her stoic desire yeah. to not mm-hmm. submit mentally to what's going on and then mm-hmm. finally giving in. It's nicely done. It's a good scene. The next, the next morning after, mm-hmm. after, after the pleasure has been had, I, I he gets up and uh, doesn't demand payment because this has been a different kind of uh, mm-hmm. this has been a different kind of encounter. He explains to the poor lady, uh, "I assure you that you will never forget this night." And uh, what he doesn't say to her flat out, but says in kind of a voiceover is. Well, he gives the idea that he's gotten her pregnant. He's intentionally gotten her pregnant. Sure, yeah. A fine, a, 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 a fine place for my seed, seed to, to grow. grow. A fine yeah. garden for my seed to grow. Oh, that's yeah. what he garden. That's right. That's what he said. And he and Tomas gather their things, and they're they're out of there. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the 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 capper to this is that yeah. the mother, who's you know submitted herself to this thing, and it's really essentially broken her great pride, goes in to see her daughter, and her daughter has died in the night. Yeah. Once again, this part where the film's humor kind of evaporates at this point right yeah, here. This is like, once again another bop. kind of just sort of gut punch here, where you just sort of like, holy cow, that's like pretty, pretty, pretty grim. You know, it's 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 definitely definitely a grim scene, and it's one that because of the way he structured it, we keep returning to because he mm-hmm. has impregnated this woman, and therefore, as the film continues over the course mm-hmm. of this one year, we are going to come back to this lady yeah. and her mm-hmm. distraught. Life. Yeah. By the way, the one I, th- I don't think we even mentioned the character, but the, the her maid. Uh, oh, the maid. Yes. We, they've kind of established that her maid is 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 pretty suspicious all along of Leonardo. You know, yeah. she's never convinced that uh, uh, you know that he's he's only up and up and and you know through this whole sequence here. And, and of course, she was right. Yes. Well, for our next adventure, mm-hmm. Leonardo explains that this time they're going to seek a treasure. The treasure being, well. Let's just call it another extremely attractive woman. Mm-hmm. He has found out that the local miller's wife has a lover on the side. Refers to him as a swordsman, which I always think was was amusing to refer yeah. <laughs> refer, refer to a, a woman's illicit lover as a swordsman. A swordsman. Mm-hmm. Tell he and Tomas take rooms at a at a local uh, boarding house, mm-hmm. and uh, he, expl- he explains what he's going to do and. Is about to leave, and Tomas is like, "Well, why are you? You just going to leave me here while you go do this?" And he goes, "Well, yeah." And he says, and "Haven't you learned anything traveling yeah. with me in the first place? Yeah. Man is always alone. always alone." And he'd actually even said in the, I think, the little bit of again the little de- philosophical debate that they have leading up to this scene. He mentions something about he acknowledges, I think, he's sort of acknowledging that he and Tomas are friends, but he also says something to the effect that friendships only last as long. Something to the effect that they're only last as long as they're beneficial to both, you know, sides. Yeah. Once yeah. again, you know, and and. And um, I've been meaning to bring this up, Troy, but if you don't start pulling your own weight, uh, mm-hmm. 
I'm going to toss you to the side. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's, you know, because when the wealth from the Nashi cast starts to, to drain out, then we'll, you know, yeah, when it starts yeah. to dwindle, then if, we'll discover uh, how, how close our ties really are. <laughs> I know we've known each other for 20 years. Yeah. And but, uh, it's been good so far, but mm-hmm. if you don't start really, you know, showing me the money. Yeah. It's all done, man. <laughs> if there's not some kind of remuneration, yeah. I'm gonna have to everything start I, everything I, I <laughs> ever learned about life I learned from El Caminante. That's <laughs> oh Lord, so um, well, well, you know, in this scene too, we got to point out what he's what the, what he's doing, sort of doing through this scene because he's obviously oh, yeah. since he's impersonating a swordsman, he's going to impersonate this swordsman. He's dressed as a swordsman, and he's gives a little uh, primer in swordsmanship uh, to start off the scene as far as talking about it. And then he uses a sword to turn a cross on the wall upside down. Yeah. And he doesn't draw attention to it. No, no, it's just kind of while he's talking. It's just there. And it's Mm. centered in the frame for for a a few seconds. And Mm. it's very obvious what he's doing as he continues to speak. But he doesn't draw attention to it at all. And neither does Tomas. Mm -hmm. So Leonardo goes off in the night. Ambushes the uh, the lover swordsman and kills him. Mm-hmm. Sneaks into the barn loft where the miller's wife is waiting for her lover to come because the mm-hmm. miller has the miller her husband has gone off on a, on a on a business trip overnight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he he comes up into the loft. It's dark up there, and he makes sure that she can't really see him. And uh, well. Takes the swordsman's place, yeah, shall yeah. we say? <laughs> She mentions because he 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 keeps in the dark, so you can't see him. When he fondles her, she says something about, "Oh, your voice is is, is lower or something." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this is another absolutely gorgeous woman. Yeah. Of of a of yet another uh, body mm-hmm. type, but mm-hmm. whoa, what a gorgeous, mm-hmm. yeah. gorgeous brown skinned woman. <laughs> yeah. They uh they have mm-hmm. sex. But a, a little problem develops in that the miller returns home. Apparently the business deal fell through, yeah. something went wrong, and so he comes up into the barn loft and starts talking to his na- uh, naked wife. I'm sorry, before we get, I, I have to just throw out another great just line that just cracked me up here, was because uh, once again, she in the dark here, she's still noticing these differences. She makes one point about him being that he's, you're bigger. She says, like, uh, yeah, <laughs> no, you're... You're obviously discovering that he's more well in that he's you more know well not, endowed, he says yeah. Muno or Muno whatever says you're bigger and his response is herbs. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he says herbs. He says I got them from a witch. <laughs> yes, explaining so, explaining his sudden penis so, growth. So yes. apparently witches back then were sending out their spams about you know how we can name larger penis with my herbs. <laughs> oh, God. oh God, no, oh. you're right. I forgot about that. But yeah, yeah. yeah. But what I love is that throughout this scene, as she does these various things. You're caught wondering whether or not the the Miller's wife is supposed to be uh, kind of a kind of dim woman, kind mm-hmm. of not that bright, or whether she's wanting to draw attention to the fact that she's noticing this, but at the same time enjoying it's, herself and therefore yeah, not wanting see, I'm to mess that it too, up. Is like, is I kind of wonder if it was time making that point too. Is like you know, does she is she really is she really totally fooled, or does it really not matter because you know, <laughs> because she, well, this is nice, yeah. yeah. Because by the time she says you're. You're bigger. Yeah. They're already having sex. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, you're Lord. right. The husband has come home unexpectedly or come into the loft unexpectedly. Yeah. And he's yeah. just great because he's talking about how, oh, it just all fell through. And she's standing in front of him stark naked. Oh, I know. And it that, takes him like five minutes. That, to Leonardo like, has, 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 gra- has grabbed <laughs> his clothes and run off behind some of the, some of the hay. <laughs> And his wife is just standing there nude. Yeah. <laughs> and he talks to her for a while before yeah. he's like, what are you doing up here naked? What are you doing in the hayloft? 
Oh Lord! And the excuse she gives is something incredibly thin. I can't think of what. Oh yeah, she's it. something about uh, she couldn't sleep in bed because it was too hot, so she came up to the hayloft mm-hmm. to, because it was more comfortable up here. And yeah. you're just like, and he says something like, "You're a strange woman." Or, you're strange, <laughs> I'm you're not weird. buying any of it. I would have not bought any of this. And what's hysterical is that she's about gotten completely distracted and, for, mm. and, and, oh, yeah. and not worrying about it until he spots one of Leonardo's <laughs> boots with a spur with the spurs on it, <laughs> which I think is classic. Oh man. yeah. And he picks it up, and of course, at this point, Leonardo comes out with his sword out mm-hmm. and, and <laughs> explains to him that he's a cuckold mm-hmm. and give, give me my clothes. And he sees him dressed as well as he is and thinks of him, thinks he's a gentleman. The mill, so the miller is totally deferential, uh, yeah. deferring to him. Yeah. At this, this is the point at which the phrase "the devil," the the, the wife, mm-hmm. as he's leaving, asks him who he is, who are you, and he says, "The devil in the flesh." Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this is, I mean, at this point, he may still be, you know, you could be watching this film cold and not and, and mm-hmm. not be completely sure. He may just be saying these things because of his mm-hmm. his outlook on life and his, his way of leading his life. But it, at, at this point, it's like, mm-hmm. bang. Yeah. And, of course, one other indicator that we've shied away from talking about is that there are several points in the film where Nash, when Nashi's character, Leonardo, is doing, uh, shall we say, a bit of nastiness or... Or plotting yeah. some of this nastiness, the shades of color change mm-hmm. in the scene, and there's a either backdrop of red mm-hmm. lighting, or he's he's lit with slow, you know, slowly, uh, slowly uh, dimmed up and down red mm-hmm. lighting, giving you this kind of sinister mm-hmm. appeal, which could be taken as artistic license or dark foreshadowing, depending yeah. on how you're thinking how this thing is going to play out. What did you think of that choice? you think that it could I have done it without that? It, I kind of felt like it over, may have it overplayed is, his I, hand a little much. It is one of only two complaints I have about the film. I have another one, too. I'll be interested to see, well, well, when we get to it, I'll be interested to see if, it, if yours is the same as mine. But yeah, okay. that was one thing I felt like, it's, like I said, it's it's a minor thing, you know, it certainly it doesn't minor. keep us from calling this a, a, a terrific film, but it's it's definitely kind of thing. It's like, I don't know that it needed to, yeah, I didn't know that it needed to that do that. Was, uh, oh, that was a bit much. It was unnecessary. It, I understand wanting to do something like that as a visual clue or a visual mm-hmm. kind of, um, I don't know, a, a kind of neat artistic touch. Mm-hmm. But I think it's unnecessary, mm-hmm. and I think it distracts from the um, the rather, call it realistic tone that uh, mm-hmm. of what he's presenting. Yeah, because. Let, let's let, let's be straightforward. I love all the period detail. Oh yeah, all the locations. Yeah. It was all filmed on locations, and it mm-hmm. looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the detail down to the to the clothing and the the, the forks and the knives and the, the weapons and uh, even the the bridles on the horses and things like that. All this neat, wonderful, really good detail work. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't. I think it, I think it was too much. I, I don't mm-hmm. think it was needed. It do, it does not in any way, shape, or form ruin the film or, no, or no, really no, even alter or no. even alter my opinion no. of it because it's a pretty minor thing yeah, in, yeah, in the grand yeah. scheme of things. But unnecessary. I agree. Yeah. But you're right. By this point, he does say I'm the devil in the flesh, and you know I would imagine most people, even if they are coming to this film totally cold, probably started to probably start to figure out by this point what's really going on here. Yeah, really. But now, am I right? Am I am I am I right that it, that at the end of the scene here with the 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 cuckold and his wife does he does he doesn't he brand him is this or does yes, that he does him, he does brand his ass this time and yeah, I'm with yeah. the sword which so. I thought which which I thought was interesting but at the same time the person he was really if you think about it his sin what he was doing really was against the Miller he really mm-hmm. was doing something to him because yeah. the wife certainly didn't mind it right right <laughs> I mean, she's <laughs> she's already got a lover right 
So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so he carves an L into the Miller's ass, yeah. just which which was just a demeaning, spiteful, oh, yeah, yeah. mean spirited thing. Pretty much, yeah. Our next scene is another brief visit with Lady Uraka, mm-hmm. uh, where we see that only days after she knows that she's pregnant, and uh, she's alone in the room where her daughter died, mm-hmm. and she's talking to herself. And she she explains that she's I can feel you growing within me, mm-hmm. and she knows this is not a natural pregnancy. She can sense it, mm-hmm. and to to emphasize that this is not a natural pregnancy when she's talking about this, yeah, um, a wind, a kind of unnatural wind blows through the room and blows out the candles, and that red light reappears. Yeah, and I'm assuming you're going to talk about this being. Well, th- to me, this is just that. No, because this really thing. actually kind of ties oh, okay. into, you know, um, and ties into that sort of thing. thing about how, like, maybe, yeah, just kind of a, being unnecessarily broad, you know, in that respect. And I, I agree. The, the I YouTube agree. Um, but we get to our next adventure with mm-hmm. Leonardo and Tomas. Mm-hmm. And this one, they're, they're riding along on horseback through the countryside, and they get ambushed by yeah. some brigands, some mm-hmm. bandits, some road thieves. And we have a big sword fight, in which, i got to say, I really like this sword fight. Yeah, uh, yeah, very interesting the way he chooses to film it, isn't it? Well, that's my complaint. That's my second complaint with the film. Yeah. One of the things that often bothers me about Nashi's direction, his style of direction, mm-hmm. is that he's a little too unwilling to go a little beyond the meat and potatoes of direction. In other words, he'll go for a wide shot get and get the broad strokes of what's happening, but not film enough coverage so that we can intercut other mm-hmm. things into the scene to make it more exciting. So essentially, as they're, the scene, the, the shot holds on them riding up and then getting ambushed and then the fight starts. Mm-hmm. It's, it holds on that for far too damn long because you can't really tell well, no, what exactly no, is happening. See, that's what, and I didn't really, this didn't necessarily bother me. I, 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 I thought it was more just an odd choice than anything because you're right about, I know what you're saying about the, you know, that the it could have been a more dynamically film scene. But exactly. not only is it just the fact that he shows it from a wide angle, he films the whole thing looking through weeds, basically. Looking through that brush. That really obscure yeah. so much of the action that it's hard to tell. I mean, this is a very conscious choice to do this. This is not because yes. he's, he doesn't know what he's doing. He made the choice for some reason to show both of the angles that he shows this sword fight from looking through brush that obscures very much of who's who and what's happening. And, and yeah, I'm just I think I know why, I think I know why he did it. Too. Uh-huh. I think that he especially is being doubled in this sword fight scene mm-hmm. because whoever is Leonardo in this is it, sequence is, is a, a very trained, good swordsman. So just a, a very way of obscuring, obscuring yeah. these stunt people and all as a way of doing it. I think that's what he did. But at the same time, what I wish he had done is shoot it that way just fine, but then shoot some coverage, Cuts some close-ups of, played the, of the actors themselves mm-hmm. yeah. in close-up shots doing mm-hmm. do, do, going about things so that you intercut between those things mm-hmm. and give it a much more dynamic feel. Mm-hmm. But he didn't choose that way. He didn't do it. So... Although I do like the scene, especially once you get a little into it, and he does cut into some close-up shots because he has to, because he's got to get in there and show you what exactly occurs to end the fight. Mm-hmm. That is my other prop. That is my only other little qualm about the movie, which is this scene, which is a kind of knockdown, drag-out fight between mm-hmm. several people. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good work going over there, 
going on, but it's over there. <laughs> I really can't yeah. get it. I can't yeah. see it too effectively, and I want mm-hmm. to be able to see it. Mm-hmm. Because, like I say, whoever's Leonardo in this scene, and whoever he's fighting mm-hmm. at several points, there's some good sword work going on here, and mm-hmm. I'd like to be able to see it a bit more clearly. Yeah. Yeah. But, eh, that's just me. I kind of like this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's well choreographed, though. I like it. Sure, yeah. Uh, but the thing is, here's the big surprise about this scene to me. They lose. They do. I mean, they they get actually. He puts up a good fight for a while, but eventually he gets he gets he gets, he gets clubbed. And they both get robbed. Um, and, and then they, get tied to a tree. <laughs> and the way that they tied Don Lopez and his wife, you know, they are now strung up the same way. Apparently, that was just the custom back then. That was the way it was done. <laughs> Which but, may, maybe that was. Maybe that's some some other little <laughs> historical piece yeah, that we're that unaware just, of. <laughs> um, but. You know, to me, what's the, what's the the greatest part about this whole sequence is is just now Leonardo's great attitude about when the sta- the tables are kind of turned on him because really this only just undercuts the whole. This yeah. basically just shores up or whatever the the whole argument he's been putting forth all along. So if Tom Tomas is is appalled that they've been ambushed or, or distraught over the situation, and he's just you know Leonardo's just grinning away like, hey, it, it happened to us this time. We got screwed this time. This is the way well, it works. You, you, know? You, know, you know what he says? Tomas yeah. is like, oh my god, we're tied yeah. up just yeah. like we left. We just like we left the the money lender and his yeah. wife. Yeah, this is this is a punishment on us. And he's like, yeah. oh, that's he's like that's yeah. crap. This yeah. is just part of the job. Yeah, yeah. he actually says that. <laughs> yeah, this is just part of the job. Yeah. <laughs> I love. I that, mean, we man. should all. Have that we should not have such a great attitude about when we get fucked over. You know? just, <laughs> this kind of shit's gonna happen. Yeah. It's, it's just really so cool. I just love yeah. it. But what's great is while they're while they're there, mm. they wait long enough, and a couple of traveling friars come by some monks, <laughs> and they the the monks cut them free, and then we immediately cut to the next scene, and, and they've obviously. <laughs> <laughs> stolen the clothes from the monks, yeah. got the information about where the monks were headed, and they're like, well, we'll just be the monks and go where they're going, <laughs> go which is to this... fun at the convent. Yeah, yeah we're, we're going visit. to the convent. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> so just turn it around, man. Let's yeah. keep going. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they, they take themselves off to the convent mm-hmm. and uh, ingratiate themselves with the Mother Superior, who, by the way, is very attractive. Mm-hmm. They're they're taken into the convent and, and uh, fed, and uh, engage the Mother Superior in conversation, and they find out that there seems to be a, a demon lurking around the, the convent. Mm-hmm. The nunnery has been kind of plagued with this. Mm-hmm. Oh, these these visitations. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, he's even visited, you know, even tempts me. He even says. tempts me, yes. There's a demon in the convent. and uh, We know what the demon is. It's the big sleeping nun that's passing, snoring at him and... and, and <laughs> Hey, well, I love that. Even in this, in, in this sequence, we have I know in the big the big communal eating uh, eating mm. room the 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 uh, oh god what's the what's the word I'm I'm looking for uh, oh, the, the cafeteria not cafeteria yeah, I know whatever. what you're saying yeah I know in the cafeteria uh, you got the hall big, the feasting hall what the eating yeah, hall I mean I know what the, you're trying uh, to say. Yeah. The, the big the big fat nun who has a big major flatulence problems so and we even get fart jokes I despise fart jokes because in I general know, because they yeah I mean, it, they are the true. lowest form of humor and they're the easiest thing to toss out there mm-hmm. and it's become and it is and, forever in a day a, a freaking crutch if you can't think of anything is, funny have somebody fart yeah well yeah. you know well and it's really right uh, it's really all, all over uh, kids movies nowadays most films made for children they're oh, like okay this is how we this is a quick way to get the kids to laugh you know uh, you yeah. know so we'll throw it you know so yeah no I agree I mean it's I, it's not that I find them, them funny but you know within the context oh well in the context of this scene it actually like, is funny it is just you know again just the outrageousness and just the you know of it all is like yeah, I mean, there's just uh, again I just love the earthiness of this film the grittiness there of just you know yep. just uh, and I think it definitely I think it definitely is once again probably something that would be very 
it's probably very common in 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 the kind of literature that it's it's you know basically which is another reason why I don't object to it. I have no objections the, uh, to it here because yeah. you're right; mm-hmm. it is very much a part of that kind of literature. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't joking about the bodily that, you know, the, humor is very much a part of that. Yeah, you know, yeah. Right. I wasn't joking about the the Canterbury Tales. I mean, it's been a yeah, long time yeah, since sure. I read them too. But you know, oh, yeah, <laughs> you want to yeah. talk about some earthy stuff? Oh yeah. Play, you know, play into. I would never. I wouldn't. I don't know that I would refer to it as playing to the lowest common denominator, but in a way, that's kind of what it mm-hmm. is. I mean, because mm-hmm. it's kind of covering mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the it's the combination of low and high humor that you would find in a Shakespearean comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. this is the kind of stuff where it's all mixed together because. Well, it's just more, honestly, it's more effective if you combine the two of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can look at yeah. something, like, look at Monty Python. They'll throw yeah, these sure. kind of oh, things of course, together yeah. all the time. It's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's, it's wonderful. And it really does work here. It's one of those things that in another film, uh, something that, it's something that would have irritated me and taken me out of it and made me roll my eyes. And in this, it just made me chuckle and go, God, what a, what a sad position to be in. Because no, <laughs> no. Nashie's obviously starting to look around and figure out how he can mac on this situation. Yeah. <laughs> That's a giant, <laughs> giant farting nun over there. Oh, God. So, uh, doesn't take Nashi, uh, I'm sorry, Leonardo long to uh, suss out just what the demon might be. Uh, yeah, oh, I love it. Yeah, God. I, I, well, I love it, well, especially when the Mother Superior tells him, the demon visits me every night and fondles me, but I keep my eyes closed so I don't have to see him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's, you know, as he's being shown around, and he he sees the guy who helps them in the orchards, mm-hmm. the uh, the gardener who was a, a foundling who they they raised there in the convent, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. obviously this young. Mm-hmm. Uh, older teenage boy and it's just one look at him and, and he knows <laughs> yeah. all right this guy's going around and having sex with the nuns at yeah. night this is what's yeah. happening and he, uh-huh. he waits till the mother superior leaves kicks kicks the dude down in the mud puts a knife to his throat and goes all right stay for away next, from the nuns for the next four nights you're yeah. not visiting the nuns i know what you're up to and you're not be, you're not going to be doing it for the next four nights oh man that's awesome so <laughs> Uh, oh, oh! Also, uh, b- before he gets to the actually, before he gets to actually having sex with yeah. the mother superior, we have another scene where he expounds to all the other nuns there in the uh, the cafeteria area, mm. that big food hall where they mm. where they eat. He expounds and talks with them a good Satan bit about about uh, Satan could be anywhere, and he you know he, he talks about how he's he's trained in, in exorcism and how mm. he'll be able to to rid this place of this demon and. Mm. The big, uh, it's not a, is it a, is it a mural or was it stain, is a stained glass it's window? It's kind of like a, oh, there's a word once again for this kind of thing, uh, the type of art, uh, but it's sort of a triptych kind of thing where you've yeah, got a yeah. three panel sort it's, of, and it's yeah. a, it's a, re, it's a religious thing. And I love this because during this, you have it morph and change from the rather staid mm-hmm. religious imagery that it was to becoming one where the, like there's this Kama Sutra or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, with a, the 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 pointed pointed tail devil mm. with a giant penis with a nun mm. giving it head <laughs> yeah right there. yeah god he says i know it's yeah that's <laughs> uh pretty pretty out there and also a, an amazing image i mean whoever did that artwork yeah, needs yeah, to be actually very needs well to be complimented yeah. because yeah. it's really nice but of course uh leonardo that night does uh, does visit the mother superior and uh under pretense of performing an exorcism. Exactly. Yeah. Under pretense of... Yeah, exactly. Gets her naked and has sex with her, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you got to like that. I mean, mm-hmm. what, could fall, let's see, we get we get attacked and robbed. Mm-hmm. Well, what's going to happen to us? Well, we're going to have to go have sex with nuns. Yeah. 
Oh my my my! And, you gotta you gotta then, look. Then then quickly tables are turned back on him. Oh, again. I know. So le- leaving the mother superior's place that night, he gets jumped and attacked by the gardener. <laughs> the gardener who he told to to get away for four nights <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wasn't gonna do it. So he attacks and whacks the living crap out mm. of Leonardo, mm. and we skip ahead because Leonardo wakes up many days later in a brothel. In a brothel. <laughs> <laughs> Knock down in a nunnery, wake up in a brothel. In a brothel. Uh, We've all been there. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's uh, yeah. it's what just happens. I mean, He's, if you haven't had that happen yeah. to you at least once in your life, <laughs> you've not really lived, have no, you? No, so. He's uh, and he's been told he's been out for what five? Was it? How oh, long? several several days. Several days. Apparently, this this wacky took from the gardener like almost broke his neck or something. They were afraid he was going to die. Yeah, he still got a big bandage on on the back of his head mm-hmm. and his neck, and mm-hmm. they weren't afraid that he was actually going to live. But he was. They, they were taken in. Uh, after this went down, it became obvious to uh, to everyone in the convent what what he'd been up to and what yeah. was going on. And so, Tomas, being a really good guy, <laughs> yeah, he grabs up his master. He mentions and, about how you're very heavy, by the way. You're yeah, you're <laughs> dragged him away, and the only place that would take them in is the local brothel, which is a pretty big place, which is nice. Yeah. Needless to say, uh, Leonardo doesn't take this news too hard. You know, his his own philosophical, his own casual nature, but he's just like, ah, well, you know, one day in a convent, you know, yeah, wake up in a yeah. brothel, you know, not a bad, not 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 too bad a life. <laughs> it's, not, yeah. it's not too bad. We'll survive. <sighs> what they basically, I mean, they meet the madam, and um, and she's a. Uh, I mean, basically, they become essentially bouncers there. You know, her lord looks like for yeah. all practical purposes, she's basically saying we get some rough trade here, and you know, we need some some we people can... inside. We could use some security, you know. So they become the. The, the, the bouncers, in a sense. And so they spend uh, the next few days kind of getting to know the place, and it's really neat. <laughs> we get we get what can only be described here as a kind of Benny Hill routine where the, yeah, yeah. They're, they're going through, uh, well, they're definitely being gluttonous. Mm-hmm. They're laying around lazy, so there's a mm-hmm. good, good bit of sloth being shown here. Right. And it's all sped up with yeah. them eating and, and having sex with a bunch yeah. of the different hookers in the place. And, <laughs> It's it's amusing as hell and very funny and the music is quite amusing as well. Mm. It, it's it's really neat and basically they're just kind of biding their time until this very large party takes place. Mm-hmm. They're in the brothel. Be some rich nobleman coming in and yeah, and so they're you know that's when they're really going to have to worry about doing their job and making sure that nobody gets out of hand. So the the night before the uh, the big party of uh, rich noblemen shows up, Tomas and uh, Leonardo having a little conversation there because they've decided to not you know. Go off and have sex tonight. They're going to actually try to get some sleep. To, yeah. <laughs> a lot of beautiful naked women in this section of the film, by the way. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> but uh, here, Tomas uh, confesses to uh, to not liking the world. Uh, he he sees nothing but hardship and strife. The, the world just seems like a such a such a hard place and such a such a cruel place. And uh, he talks about how. He wishes he could live in the future where surely injustice will be gone, where the world will be a better place. Right. And Leonardo just kind of sneers at this and explains that uh, the times are nothing. It's the work of men that make the times. Yeah. And that's never going to change. It's always going to, men are always going to make the same mistakes and commit the same sins. Mm -hmm. And Tomas talks about how, no, surely, surely in the future, man will learn from his mistakes and, mm. and learn what not to do and what to do correctly. And Leonardo goes, no, I'm, I guarantee you that it won't be that way. And as a matter mm. of fact, I can show you that it will not be that way. And Tomas seems kind of puzzled, but he, he lays down and he is mm. granted a vision yeah. of the future mm. from Leonardo. 
And if you had any doubts about the supernatural abilities or capabilities mm -hmm. or nature mm -hmm. right. of Leonardo at this point, they have to be tossed out the window because he gives these visions to Tomas, which are all black and white footage from mm -hmm. the 20th century and from right. various conflicts and wars in the 20th century. Mm -hmm. uh, World War One, World War II, uh, some stuff that looks like it's from the Spanish Civil War, which would make mm -hmm. sense considering this is a Spanish film, culminating with uh, the explosion of an atomic bomb. And this, of course, horrifies Tomas as it would yeah. anyone. Yeah. The visions of the concentration camps are right. all, also in there in the right. footage. Right. When he comes out of this vision and is talking to Leonardo about the horrors that he's just seen, he, he asks him, who are you? Because he realizes at this point he's been traveling with this man for months and months now, mm -hmm. and they've saved each other's lives on more than one occasion, and he still really doesn't know who he is. Mm -hmm. And Great response. Yeah. yeah. Just a humble traveler. Yeah, well, before that, he says, I am no one. Oh, yeah, and I am no one. the way he phrases one, that yeah. and the look on his face is, is very, very much meaning in there. He says, I'm no one, but he says, I'm just a humble I'm traveler. I'm just a humble traveler. Yeah, I love it. Uh, well, that night, uh, instead of actually getting rest, mm -hmm. Leonardo does go off and have <laughs> sex with the... Yeah. With the with the the matron of the of the the brothel. Well, maybe only her that night. So maybe that's only his, her. maybe that's his having rest. Maybe that's his <laughs> idea of taking the night off. It's, taking the it's, night it's, off. It's, yeah. yeah, and it's in slow. It's not in fast motion either. He's moving, you know. So it's so it's. Well, yeah, it's I, I little... love their the dialogue between the two of them. It's all double entendres about oh, yeah. swordsmen and <laughs> and uh, oh yeah, uh, his his skill with a sword and things of that mm -hmm. nature. So the next day we see the noblemen who are there, and one of which is uh, Don in, in Indigo. I, I guess in, D, in, in uh, I think Indigo or Inego. In, Inego. Is it Inego? Inego, I do believe. Okay. Uh, who's a, a, a rather overweight, mm -hmm. pale, foppish kind of fellow. Mm -hmm. And what we have is uh, the, the brothel has laid out uh, a, a kind of orgy of lusting, gluttony, patterned on kind of Roman debauchery of mm -hmm. centuries past. Mm -hmm. And the girls are all painted up. Uh, their bodies are they're really basically naked, but their bodies are painted with designs and all. Which is and absolutely so. gorgeous, too. Yeah. Did you happen to recognize uh, 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 one of our old, old friends from past Nashi films in this? She's oh. only got two scenes, and you'd almost not recognize her. It's Eva Leon. She is, uh, really? Yeah. It's, I did not spot her in Very this hard scene. to recognize her, because uh, even though she's still got red hair, it's much darker than, than normally what we're used to seeing. The first time we see her is when they're in the brothel, the scene that she's the woman in the bathtub that's talking... Uh, Oh. But you see, you can't really tell in that scene, and I didn't even recognize her in that scene at first because it shows okay. her from the side. But in this feast scene, she's sitting at the end of the table and talking with one of the younger men there, and has got half her body painted up. And and again, you you have to look close to her face to realize okay. that it's that it's okay. that it's her. So yeah, she's only got those two quick little clips in that. So interesting, yeah. interesting. Okay, I I I have, I have to admit that uh, no, I didn't I didn't pay attention. I mean, I watched the film twice, and I still I yeah, mean, and I, I don't I mean, obviously I my my, totally my attention her, was so. distracted by the number of painted breasts. And I didn't <laughs> I didn't look up at the face. Oh, it was Tomas's arse that was uh, distracting you. I know it was, uh, <laughs> like as much as it does Don Donanego here. Well, Donanego uh, doesn't seem all that interested in the beautiful naked women, but right. he does spot Tomas. Yes, he does, and obviously very much wants to experience the delights of mm. the young lad's rear, <laughs> which is, I think is a great phrase. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, and he offers up a hundred ducats mm -hmm. uh, for the privilege mm -hmm. to the madam. Yeah, he tells her that he'll. Yeah, she explains the situation to Leonardo, and Leonardo at first is. Completely dismissive. He goes, no, 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 yeah. Tomas is my friend. And then yeah. she waves the money in his face, and he's like, well, yeah, okay, well, what the hell? He's like, yeah, 100, that's that's a lot for an that's, arse, but if he, you know. What the hell? Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> so he sets Tomas up mm -hmm. and uh, has the uh, the Don wait in their uh, shared rooms that night, and 
when Tomas comes in at the end of a long night, tired out, three <laughs> of the Don's men grab him and hold him while Don Inigo rapes his ass. Yep. Literally. I don't even have to be yeah, smart ass. No, about that's it. the way it happens. That's what happens. That's what happens. Pretty harsh. Yeah, yeah. It's very makes you go ouch. Yeah, so but once again, there's still some great dialogue in the scene. Oh, yeah. The, 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 the Don says, don't fight against the sweet practices of love. It's like, if three people are having to hold him down, yeah. sweet yeah. and love are not two words I would enter into a descriptive term for this. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, but there you go. It happens. Mm. And while this is going on, the uh, Leonardo and the uh, the matron are splitting the uh, the money. They've divided up into bags of 50 each. And uh, Leonardo's explaining, well, you know, that's great. But, you know, I think I'll take it all. Yeah, of Holds course, a knife of course he throat. does. <laughs> before, before he does this, i got to say, it's, it's, uh, I like the fact that Nashi allows, you know, poking fun at himself. You know, we already had the line about how Thomas talked about how you're you're very heavy to carry in this thing, too, where they're talking about it, the matter of talking about how she... You know, she she likes she likes you know Leonardo, but she 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 says uh, she says something to the fact that you're not really all that attractive, but you know, and you're a little like, fat. And she, she said, and you're a little fat too. Which yeah, that's pretty funny that he let that in there. But yeah, of course he takes the money from her. He pulls out the knife and he's he's basically going to rob her. And yeah, he forces her. He didn't want to kill her, but he no. forces her to drink, drink and drink like and drink until she passes yeah, out. Exactly. Yeah. And then takes the money and steals uh, one of the horses from mm-hmm. the Don's uh, from the Don's. Uh, uh, group of horses mm-hmm. and he's out of there switch to our next grim return scene which is yeah. um we go back to the lady mm-hmm. and uh our devilish baby is being born yeah um the uh the, the servants you mentioned beforehand who's mm-hmm. always with uh the the, the, the grand lady mm-hmm. uh, is there helps with the birth of the child it's a boy and she describes it as a monster yeah. But we never see it. Never see it. We never see it. The servant wants to kill wants to destroy it, be to to, to kill this baby, although it is mm-hmm. it, it, it is obviously alive. And she describes it as the devil's spawn. Mm-hmm. And at first she wants she's kind of thinking that's a good idea, but then her her heart softens and right. she, she won't let it be killed. She right. she indicates that the baby needs to be mm-hmm. needs to be mm-hmm. uh kept alive. We see Leonardo Get, get, getting away from the scene of his latest crime, which is mm-hmm. you know se- essentially selling the ass of his dear friend Tomas. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's uh, riding uh, on horseback away from that particular scene of the crime. The scene of that particular crime. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's out on the open road, and interestingly enough, coming up behind him on the same road mm-hmm. is uh, the Don, Don Inigo's mm-hmm. group of people. Yeah. His, his group of people. Uh, and Tomas, dressed yeah. in very nice finery. All finery, yeah. It's just sort of sitting there enjoying the ride with him. Yeah, and has obviously uh, decided to kind of be uh, the Don's butt boy. The kept boy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> kept, kept boy. I said butt boy, but kept boy. You're, you're probably better. You're probably better off describing as a kept boy. Yeah, that's right. His page, his cabin boy, is you know. There's all sorts his of cabin boy. There's all sorts of uh, other. His other Robin. Yeah, it's his Robin. There you go. <laughs> his ward. His ward is his. his. Oh lord. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! I didn't want. I really didn't want to go. I didn't want. I didn't want to go that that route. But okay. Oh Lord. Uh, we we hear the the, the Don and his his uh, cabin boy <laughs> talking, and and it's and, and it's quite clear that Tomas uh, is uh, wanting to catch up with his former master yeah. and wreak revenge. Mm. And 
quicker than you can say, holy crap, mm-hmm. he does. As a matter of fact, I think it's great because obviously uh, Leonardo is not too worried about being chased after. No. And uh, awakens uh, is awakened the next morning yeah. having slept beside the road with mm. a sword to his throat. And he's surrounded by several of the Don's yeah. guardsmen and mm. his ex-friend Tomas. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Once again, he kind of just, he's not very upset by waking up to find a sword to his throat. But he's, I think he's more bemused or than anything that he actually kind of misjudged Tomas a little bit. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. he says... I would have thought you would have gone after Don and Ego and murdered him for raping you. That's what, yeah, he says that's basically what I thought was going to happen. Well, the first thing he says, he says, he says, because when he realizes that Tomas has been, been riding and, and is all living the good life with Don and Ego, he says, he says, I didn't know you liked taking it up the arse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Tomas explains that he, at first he really did want to kill yeah. the Don, but then yeah. he, once he, you know, a little time passed and he realized, well, you know, his ass has already been violated and it's really not going to get any much, any much worse than that. And he decided to, 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 to make the best of it. <laughs> you know what? It's like, that should be what, you know, that'd be the perfect thing to have carved on your tombstone is to sum up, you know, your, your life on this earth. is like, you know, it's like a great philosophical way of looking at it. It's like, my arse's honor was broken, so I decided to make the best of it. That's what yeah. he says. It's like, that's sort of the way we are. That's That sort of sums up human existence, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and that's what life constantly At some point, one way or the other, your arse's honor gets broken, and so you better just make just the make best, the best of, it. of it, man. <laughs> Oh Lord, and and I they're they're sitting there talking while yeah. the, while the guards are nearby, yeah, so yeah. so Leonardo ain't going anywhere. Yeah, and uh, Leonardo's kind of impressed. He explains, "Hey, that's I'm kind of you've impressed learned, by you what know, you've done. You've I learned, like to, yeah." Mm-hmm. And he, he he kind of I think it's amazing because he seems kind of proud because yeah, his yeah, protege like, has yeah, like, taken his first steps it. out there. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. the butterfly emerging from the cocoon. Here yeah. he is, mm-hmm. and so the he. Tomas is is about to go off to court and become mm-hmm. you know become the kept man of this nobleman, mm-hmm. and he explains the reason I have not killed you yet mm-hmm. is that sometime ago you showed me a vision of the future. Mm-hmm. He says I want you to do it again. I want you to, I want you to tell me what awaits me at court. Yeah, and Leonardo with a big smile on his face tells mm-hmm. him, Yeah, you're going to be a great success. Mm-hmm. You're going to lie, cheat, steal, mm-hmm. and you're going to die happy. Surrounded by family, yeah, and then you're gonna, gonna go, go straight, to, straight hell. to hell. Yeah, boy, that's 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 cool. I mean, I just sent a chill up my spine. We did. That. I just thought that's a great moment there. <laughs> it's sheer genius. It if, is. The, if the rest of the movie was completely a waste, yeah. that mm-hmm. scene mm-hmm. and his delivery. His performance is brilliant. I was going to say someone was going to have to talk about Nashi's performance uh, in this. We'll, we'll, just, we'll get, to get to that. It's fantastic. Yeah. but yeah, but yeah, but it's so good there. Yeah. That is yeah. so good, mm-hmm. and. That's really what Tomas wanted to hear. That's really kind of the best that he could have expected. Yeah. He, know, he knows his eventual fate. He's mm-hmm. going to go to hell. He's not com- He's not worried about that. And then he says, good. And he has the guardsmen just beat, beat the, the hell living out. hell of him. And, <laughs> and he informs them, break every bo- beat him Man. until every bone is broken, mm-hmm. and then do with him what you wish. Yeah. And <laughs> they do. Yeah. <laughs> they beat the hell out of him and drag him up the road. Construct at one point while they're beating him, you hear him yell out, "Angels of hell, protect me!" Nothing happens. And nothing happens, buddy. They build they build a crude cross mm. out of a couple of pieces of wood and nail his ass to it in mm. some nearby ruins. Mm-hmm. Uh, nail him to this cross facing a big stone uh, crucifix crucifix mm-hmm. of Jesus, mm-hmm. and just leave him hanging there to die. Mm-hmm. And they beat the hell out of him. They, uh, he, one eye has been gouged out. His left yeah. eye has been gouged out. And he's yeah. seriously yeah. messed up. Yeah. 
And uh, intercut with this, we see uh, Lady Ronka. Mm-hmm. We don't know what has happened to the baby. We're never right. told what no. happened to her child. No. Which is odd. Yeah. But we see her, while this is going on, walk upstairs to an attic in her home mm-hmm. and hang herself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, clutching clutching a, a crucifix to her until, of course, the rope goes taut and she drops it. And mm-hmm. it's there on the floor beneath her feet. Um, bringing her story to its grim conclusion. Mm-hmm. But as he's hanging there on the cross, Leonardo uh, seems to carry on a conversation with God mm-hmm. and says, Good Lord, how could you give your life for these pigs? Yeah, yeah. And that, I think, is the, mm-hmm. the, the summing up of this mm-hmm. wonderfully. And then we have this weird little turn, and we see what looks to be Leonardo with a patch over one eye. Yeah. Seems that he may have somehow found a way to get off the crucifix. Yeah, he's obviously freed himself in some way. Possibly. Probably. Mm-hmm. He somehow pulls himself loose, and uh, he's at a river... Getting a drink of water when someone comes up behind him and kicks him in the ass and throws him in the river. Yeah. And very quickly, you see the parallel between this, him being pushed in the river Mm -hmm. and robbed. Well, he didn't have anything to rob, but having this done to him and what he did to the blind man at the beginning of the film. Yeah, yeah. He pulls himself out of the water, cursing the two guys who are running off who who pushed him into the water. Mm Mm-hmm. And some time passes, and we find him in some ruins with a campfire. He's managed to get some food somehow or another, and is sitting there eating. He's got a wineskin, yeah. yeah. And a young man Mm -hmm. comes up and introduces himself and sits down, and and Mm -hmm. they have a conversation. And it's the same dialogue that the film opened with. It really did. It's almost word for word. It's it's, it's very, yeah. very, very, very fascinating because it's very—it's clear at this point that the movie is doing a loop. We're, yeah, we're back yeah. to the beginning of the story. They talk again about you know charities waning these days and you know hard to find compassion and. Yep, and at this point, the Leonardo tells this young man the devil's story mm-hmm. that the devil was uh, was bored, and he decided to become a mortal. And visit Earth. And to do this, he took on all the the weaknesses of a human being, which means that he would he could suffer all the indignities, he could be harmed, he could even be killed. He could even do something else too, but go ahead with what you're saying. And he found out that men are more wicked than he. Mm-hmm. And the story also uh, he says that uh, he says, but love caused him to lose all his powers. Right. That's a real interesting line. I mean, obviously, that's another weakness is the ability to love. Now, the question is, the old, as, as Bo Diddley would put it, who did he love? <laughs> <laughs> now, see, that's my question, too. What does that mean? What does that what mean? What does that mean? He does say, yeah, the, 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 he the says, line love is, made me, love, love made him, him lose his, his, his powers. And yet we never see him in the movie experience yeah. anything that you so, could really think of as love. The only two things I can think of. Was it for Tomas? And I'm not talking about arse-breaking love. <laughs> you know, I'm just talking about. Oh, <laughs> well, you mean was it friend- just, You mean his friendship? With I him? mean, was it actually? Uh, you may bad, be right. Or was it just? Or did he learn? Or you did he come right. to love life? Because there are. There's one thing about his 
what makes his character so fascinating, you know, the, the Leonardo's character is, he seems to be, he may be the only character, just as twisted as he is, as evil as he is, he may be the only character in the whole film who is actually able to enjoy life at certain moments, whereas, you know, who's actually able to, you know, and even the lines where he says this world is so beautiful or is, you know, yeah. he's, he's yeah. actually wondered, is, did he, so that's the only thing I think of. It either means love for Tomas or it means that he just came to love life so much. He even says, now the one thing he says here before he starts telling this guy's story, when, he, when this traveler, this other stranger wanders up and, and they start talking, at one point Leonardo says, uh, my loneliness is unbearable. Which makes me also wonder if there's if, if oh, there you're was right. something you know. I've forgotten about that. Makes me wonder is again is that just is that a reference to Tomas you know? So that's uh, but I thought that that whole thing about love made me lose my powers because it's obviously did lose his powers when all the men are beating him and he's calling on angels of hell protect me and nothing happens. Nothing happens, yeah. But it's like yeah, what because yeah, we certainly haven't seen this character be capable of love. So this was a total surprise in the dialogue here that, that definitely left me wondering what that means. It's very interesting. That's true. That's true. But. He tell he tells the devil's story, and uh, mm. the the young the young guy seems to re, to to really enjoy the story. But then the story plays out just as it did mm-hmm. at the beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. The young guy kicks ashes into uh, Leonardo's face mm-hmm. and stabs him, mm-hmm. and rolls his ass down the little hill there, killing him. Mm-hmm. Leonardo is dead, mm-hmm. and uh, the uh, the young traveler starts going through his bag and mm-hmm. uh, finds some money in there. And that is when we see, perched up on the the wall of one of the walls of these ruins they're in, mm-hmm. we see Nashi again, in this mm-hmm. red outfit, mm-hmm. tossing down gold coins, and uh, saying, "Well, what is it he says exactly?" He basically tells him, "says uh, I shall live inside you forever, you know, or you all come to me." Or he's, oh you know, yeah, he's you, basically you one will last all end up with me. You will all end up with me. And, it, and, he, and yeah. the idea that it's always the love of gold, it's always greed that mm-hmm. is the root of everything that will always draw man to right. the devil, to those black, those black sides, those dark things. And I would have to say he's probably right. But let's talk about the movie. Yeah, let's 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 start from the end. Let's start because because actually that that was my other complaint against the film. And oh, really? once again, not and I guess it sort of ties in again to the whole, maybe even the first complaint about the. Um, I mean, I guess I guess my feeling it was it's a little unnecessary. Just him appearing as the devil. Now, now the overall ending I thought was great. I mean, as far as yeah. where the story concluded, there's a couple of other ways that I, I I felt it would have been more effective had it gone. And again, you know, the way it ends is not. There's nothing bad about the way it's filmed. There's nothing. It just to me is once again okay. You know, anybody by this point knows he's the devil. So yeah. I, I just thought it was just something that's once again kind of putting a aha ending on it that's just not necessary i can see what you're saying and i feel like two ways that i think i think first of all i I would have preferred it just i thought it'd been effective it just ended where he basically you know the 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 stranger kills him takes his money and leaves now if they had had and just walks off now if they had had i could even have dealt with maybe if they had had his voice come in as like a last narration of just saying i should you know live in you forever or something as the as the the stranger wandered off or something i thought could have still been more effective than having him appear in this red dress you know throwing the gold but another thing i thought that might have been interesting because you know it's interesting that they never show what happens to his son um i thought it would have what i first thought was going to happen i thought more time i thought maybe the time had more time had passed and i thought uh that the stranger coming up was actually going to be his son who is who is basically living the same life that he had led you know and i thought that might have been effective if he had actually made it take place further in the future where he was maybe older like an older man 
Leonardo was, and then this stranger comes up, and it might not even not not even revealing that he's his son, but just leave you to wondering: Could this have been his son? That's basically living the same life, doing the same thing that that he did, and, and you yeah. know. These are just some other ideas I had. And like I said, it's you know it's a very minor thing compared to how much I love this film. But I just thought that the the, the appearance of him as Satan I just thought was just nah, not really necessary. So well, now I see what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, the his appearance that 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 final appearance of him in the in the guise of the red dressed mm-hmm. vision mm-hmm. up on the wall didn't bother me at all. Mm-hmm. But I can see I, I can understand yeah. where you're coming from. But the one thing that uh, I would hold up and say I wish there'd been a little bit more information or clarity about was the fate of the child. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, it would have been. Uh, that's really the only other complaint I have. It's not mm-hmm. at all necessary, but yeah. the, I did. It, it does sort of seem to set up a pretty big plot. Point that is really not ever really addressed. Yeah, it's, it's and, dangled out there and not and then not yeah, addressed. Yeah, I agree. And yeah. so I agree with you that mm-hmm. I wondered if we were supposed to think mm-hmm. that um, this this younger mm-hmm. traveler was perhaps his son. And maybe that whole line where he says, "I shall live in you forever." Maybe that is what that's supposed to mean. Maybe that is what we're supposed to think. Is maybe that know. is that that's supposed to be a clue to us that it is his son. I don't know. That's that's interesting. Could be. Um, but I will say this: in looking at the entire film. Elena referred to it as uh, Nashi's masterpiece. Mm. I'm going to have to agree with her. Mm. I have yet to see a better movie written and directed mm. by Paul Nashi. Mm. Now, I've not seen everything yet. Right, right. We're working on it. <laughs> yeah, we are. Someday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're on our way. But This <clears throat> is a fantastic movie. It is. I would recommend this to any film fan, serious or genre. I agree. Uh, you and I both know there are a good number of people in this world who, let's not say they have their noses in the air about film, <laughs> but they do. Yes, this sir. is a film that I think that essentially the the, the type who uh, are going to uh, point to their list of Criterion titles on the shelf and explain how much mm. they enjoy the finer films in life and kind of look down their noses a bit mm-hmm. at, uh, well, slavering werewolf movies. Mm-hmm. This would be the movie that I think would break them yeah. and make them look at Nashi in a different light. I'm glad you said that because that that's a very key thing I want to bring up. Glad you, I'm glad you threw out the name Criterion because here's the thing. I just watched, really just very recently, watched uh, Pasolini's The Decameron, uh, oh. which I very much enjoyed. Very good film. I, I have, ne- I, full disclosure, I've never seen The Decameron, so... Um, so much like this film in the sense of it's got the same kind of, 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 of body, uh, scatological, sexual, um, robust humor, you yeah. know, broad humor, uh, broad characters, uh, very funny, very episodic, you know, very, and, and, um, and also I'm a big, uh, Fellini fan, you know, and, um, and Fellini's films certainly, of course, are always lauded for, uh, how the, the realism of the characters, you know, the broadness of it, you know, the, the, uh, the humor in it, um, and watching this film, I said, I was, like, I was thinking to myself, you know, if this film had Fellini's name or, or Pasolini's name on it, it would be people would be like, you know, tripping over the, critics would be just creaming yeah. over themselves for this, and put it, and it would be a Criterion disc. I mean, they would be loving it because it's it's that good. It's as good. It's as good as, as any, any of those. those. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I I agree with you. This is a film. We say this occasionally about one of his movies, but we say it in terms of genre. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you right now, this is a film ripe for discovery, <clears throat> not rediscovery. Right. I don't think people know about this. I don't think it's, no, it has never been discovered. I this think, thing yeah. is ripe for a discovery wow. by serious, <coughs> somewhat snooty, yeah. high-level mm-hmm. 
film critics, film fans, the kind of people who, um, you're, you're right. I think this mm-hmm. would stand up next to those types of films. Mm-hmm. I think, I think it needs to be, I, I'd love to, to find some way to get the word out about this and try mm-hmm. to get yeah. people interested in seeing this because this is an incredibly impressive film. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say, I'll tell you the, I'll tell you that thing that, that, what this what this made me think of the experience of watching this film um to me it reminded me of when I saw George Romero's Night Riders uh which oh wow yeah which is you know i mean that's it. that would be my top 10 all-time favorite movies but here's the thing i came in uh, uh, now with Nashi i had already seen obviously we've seen a couple of other his works i was i was at least familiar with a couple of his works outside the genre i mean i guess Oh, I'm thinking of like Inquisition. I mean, I think in the sense of being a non-supernatural or just not a film with heavy, heavy supernatural overtones. You know, right. was it, I could see Inquisition's. Well, let's, let's say not a monster movie. Yeah, and even Panic Beats. Even though Panic Beats eventually yeah. had the supernatural tone, for the most part, it's yeah. dealing with complex characters and and in human situations uh, in the way that Inquisition did. So I was aware to some degree. Uh, you know, I've made the remark before that I think you could have written scripts in any genre and could have, you know, uh, uh, oh, and could have succeeded. been successful. Succeeded yeah. with Romero. Um, I saw Night Riders. You know, I had seen, of course, the zombie movies. I thought they were fantastic. Um, I basically just, uh, you know, Night Riders was a totally forgotten film. It totally flopped when it came out. You know, at the yeah. time that I saw it, I was, you know, nobody you never saw it referenced anywhere. So I rent it totally blind on just the fact that it was a Romero film. Um, but I was expecting uh, a motorcycle action adventure and a motorcycle trip, you know, <laughs> like the way they promoted it. You know, it's the way they threw it out yeah. there. It made it look like Megaforce or something. You know, it was like oh, just God, a... God, save us from Megaforce. You know, so, and the experience of watching that, I mean, I was weeping by the end of the film. I mean, it just completely blew me away. And, That's a great and, movie, and, yeah. and while this film was not as an emotional experience like that, I equated the same way as, as like just seeing like, my gosh, what this man was capable of doing had he been given more chances in the same way that Romero is, you know, never got, hasn't, hasn't had so few yeah, chances yeah. to, you know, I mean, it's, it's straight, to me, it was yeah, that same kind of experience. It was, it was that much of a revelation. This so was, I, you're, you're right. And I hadn't really thought of it in those terms. This is a film that shows, uh, uh an accomplished filmmaker getting the chance to stretch outside mm-hmm. of his normal boundaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let, let's be honest. Uh, we haven't seen the movies, but around this time he was doing several other types of films yeah that uh were outside of the normal uh his normal uh genre stuff he was doing films like uh the sniper in 77 mm-hmm. with nashi in a in a in a serious drama about a man who wants revenge for the death of his daughter mm-hmm. he was doing movies like what is it the cantabrians which is another historical film uh this one it's almost described as a peplum uh he, he was doing that at around the same time also naked madrid and uh, a film called mortal sin did the transsexual, which is a very different type of film, of course. Uh, the Garden of the Frenchman, hmm. wow. uh, the, you know, the, the Sniper, as I said. These are films he was doing around this time. So he was w- going out of his way mm. to break out of yeah. the monster movie niche that he was mm. a part of. And this is just another one you of could, those. You could actually make, uh, no, not taking into account any kind of financial or critical success, you could really say, fund, you know, basically, um, he in that respect, he had more luck than Romero has had, you know, at least had more opportunity. He did have more opportunity. He got to make several more of these types of film, whereas Romero really it's only got... It's pretty much now zombie, and now it's got to the point where it's zombies yeah. are nothing, George, you know. That's, that's, yeah. it's, and, it, and it's sad because he, you look at Romero and he essentially wasted the entirety of the 90s mm-hmm. uh, writing screenplay after screenplay and, Shit, and, and being paid very well for it, but not getting a single damn thing produced. No. And you look back at Romero's heyday, the that that 
period of time, especially from the oh, time of Martin, Martin oh gosh, to Creep Show. Oh man! Uh, well, no, well, all the way through Day of the Dead, and you just think, do no wrong, man. He was just man, he just not, kept pumping yeah, out things, and yeah. Huh, well, at any rate, this is a great film. I think mm-hmm. the Traveler El Caminante mm-hmm. is possibly the best Paul Nashy film I've ever seen. Um, it's, man, it's it's gonna be when we come around to I don't know when we get to the end of our run and we yeah. may do a last rating or something. Boy, it's it's gonna be really tough to see if anything, uh, um, you know, the things that you know so far. Well, you know, we've we've had a couple of you know. Well, there's the desire with me to look at these films. Oh yeah, it's, and almost subdivide them. I know. Say, yeah, we've talked about that before. Should we really have a separate? Na- you know, the Daninsky, there's, the, there's the, the, well, the well, there's the, the well, Gothic there's, horror, the. I would almost say the horror movies and the other movies. Yeah. Yeah. And if that's true, then this is the best of the others mm-hmm. that I've seen. Whereas Horror Rises, I would still put at the top of the horror films. Yeah. And, you know, you get you get debates with people about, yeah. about which one would go on that list. But if I were to make it just one <sighs> yeah, big list, no, man, oh, man. I think I'd have this to would, put this a little bit above Horror Rises. Quite an this is an really amazing is. film. I, you know, and, and it's... it's um, I've, I've seen it referred to, and it might have been Elena, uh, might have been one of our other... Uh, listeners, um, somewhere I saw, as as talking about it being his most personal film, and of course I immediately think of uh, Howl of the Devil as being such a personal film. Um, though between those two, of course, I see it's sort of personal in kind of two ways. El Caminante is personal in the sense of how it pulls from so much of his literary background and so much of you know his his education and his knowledge of Spanish culture. Howl of the Devil is more or less exactly that. It's his howl of anger against what he was experiencing. Well, and, and, then, and in that respect, I'd have to say that really, as 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 evil as his character is in El Caminante, the fact he's playing Satan, uh, as nasty and as mean as so much of the film is, I have to say that it didn't feel as angry as Howl of the Devil, you know? Well, I would say Howl of the Devil was about nine years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think he just got more and more angry yeah, in those yeah. years. Because in the thing is, at least in El Caminante, as, as, as vicious and as, and as backstabbing as everybody is, uh, everybody at least at some point or another you know, is still seeking pleasure or is still at least when they're screwing everybody else or at least when they're on top, they're in pleasure. Whereas in How the Devil, everybody's just, no matter, I don't think they even enjoy sex. You know, Whenever, no matter what's going on, they're just, it's all done out of anger and out of, out of, misery. Out of misery, you know, so. Well, um, as we often like to do, I, yes. I, I, I want to go back reading. to, uh, yeah, I want to go back to Memoirs of a Wolfman, Nashi's autobiography, and read a bit from it uh, where he talks about El Caminante. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole section here because he does actually, this is one of the films where he does talk a good bit about it. Uh, But uh, he does does have some interesting things to say. I wrote El Caminate in a very special frame of mind. Life had dealt me several harsh blows and I had gained a pretty negative impression of people. For me, personally, friendships had been a lamentable, lamentable disappointment. I knew all about betrayal and lack of loyalty and apart from my family, my parents, my wife, and my two sons, I didn't believe there were many things worthwhile in this filthy, rotten world. Later on, three people appeared in my life whom I consider true friends. However, the cry of anguish from the bottom of my soul which found expression through this movie is still valid today. The seven deadly sins are present in El Caminate. For me, the high point of the whole movie is when the devil, crucified opposite a stone Christ, admonishes, Lord, how could you give your life for these swine? I believe it's clear enough who the swine are. El Caminate is a medieval comedy set around Burgos during the reign of the Catholic monarchs, which includes picaresque and romantic episodes as well as incorporating legends about the devil. If 
friars and nuns, pilgrims and bandits, nobles and commoners, form a frieze presided over by the figure of the devil. He's an evil devil, but at the same time mocking and jocular, like any devil worth his salt. Perhaps this isn't the most perfect film of my career, but it's definitely the most personal and heartfelt. I don't imagine we're going to see a film that's going to knock this out of the top spot on my list of his movies. This is an impressive movie. If there is, I sure look forward to seeing it, because you're right, (laughs) it'd be hard to to imagine... Um, I mean, I you know we've uh, I know it's we could probably do a whole another show on just talking about the philosophies and the meanings in of of things that happen in this this yeah, yeah. obviously we can't do that so I think that for me the last really most important thing to say you know we've given it up for him as a scriptwriter in this film and as a director there's not too many missteps as in his direction in this film uh, but man his performance to me is like as an actor. He's amazing in this Consistently movie. amazing, never overplays the, no. I mean, it's just the continual, the, the look at, you know, his presence and the glint in his eye through the whole film and the, the you know, the humor behind his eyes and, and of his character, just the way he still never, he, it's consistent but never broad, you know, never, yep. never exaggerated. He turns in, the one of the best performances I've ever seen from him, he is nuanced, mm-hmm. he's funny, mm-hmm. he's threatening he's dark he is by turns everything he needs to be yeah yeah and he never strikes a wrong note yeah yeah it's fantastic if you like i say this would be the movie i would start somebody with Mm -hmm. even even somebody who might enjoy the horror films more i'd start them with this because there are enough horrific Mm -hmm. elements within it to please a fan of of genre Mm -hmm. stuff Mm -hmm. but you're going to laugh, mm. you're going to be appalled, yeah, yeah. and you're just going to, I mean, talk about a quick movie. This movie's, you know, 90 minutes long yeah, yeah. and just speeds along. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, it. part of that's its episodic structure where it just goes ba-boom, ba-boom from one thing to the next. But another part of it is just, mm-hmm. I love the writing. I love yeah. the dialogue. Yeah, oh I God, love I it. I know, it's like I said, there's oh. so much. You can take almost every line and just pick it apart from windows and it's double, yeah, you know. The it's double entendres are hysterical just, and... <laughs> It's a great film. So, El Caminante, people. If you can find your, if you can find a copy of it, get your grubby paws on yes, it. Yes, it's it's a good one. to uh, get to some of your letters Mm -hmm. and uh, then let you know what's going on later on in the podcast and future podcasts. And uh, let's start here with an email from Brad, another email from Brad. Cool. Uh, He says, I wanted to let you know how my birthday turned out. I came home the Friday before my birthday and there were streamers and balloons and pictures that Elizabeth had scanned from Nashi's autobiography and Uh added pithy comments to everywhere. Things Uh like uh, Count Dracula said to have a birthday, full of presents, cake, and great love, that sort of thing. Uh My wife is amazing. I'll say. 
<laughs> then she brought out the stunner, a cake with Nashi printed with some sort of cake icing bubble jet printer on it, mm-hmm. not once but twice, mm-hmm. and he attached a photo. Yeah. Uh, he says one of him as the Wolfman and at, and one as Demarnak. You really can't get you really can't get everything at Walmart. <laughs> Did I say my wife was amazing? <laughs> then came the gifts. I got the Paul Nashi DVD collection. I had not seen Exorcism. Mm-hmm. Richard sent me a copy of A Quiet Place in the Country, which mm-hmm. is a great, crazy Italian thriller starring mm-hmm. Franco Nero and Vanessa Redgrave. Definitely worth checking out if you haven't. And then the bootlegs. I hit the mother load. <laughs> a Dragonfly for Each Corpse, Night of the Howling Beast, Dr. Jekyll and the Wolfman, The Wolfman Never Sleeps, The Beast and the Magic Sword, Vengeance of the Mummy, wow. Inquisition, Assignment Terror, and the Nashi Pinned Cross of the Devil. All that, along with the corruption of Chris Miller and a few other rare giallos. Wife equals amazing. <laughs> yeah. I didn't get the Demarnak sweater, maybe next year. And my brother didn't dress up as the Wolfman or a human Zborg or a human zebra. <laughs> he can't say I didn't give him options. But it was the best birthday since the giallo explosion when I turned 29. Man, oh man. I immediately watched Vengeance of the Mummy, Dr. Jekyll, and The Howling Beast so I could listen to the Nashi casts on them. All three films were awesome, and I cannot wait to hear the podcasts. Mummy was amazing. It was the only all-red Nashy film I hadn't seen. It was very nicely done. Up there with Hammer's Mummy and Blood from the Mummy's Tomb is my favorite Mummy movies. Cool. There are no words for Dr. Jekyll, because words have not been invented that can convey my love for it. (laughs) Howling Beast is the Indiana Jones of the Daninsky series, in a good way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The company sent me two different versions of it. One was great looking and two minutes shorter than the one that was not as good looking. Still watchable, though, and I opted for the nicer copy. Mm. I loved the serial feel, and it was a lot of fun. It's Raiders of the Lost Ark, not Crystal Skull. Mm-hmm. I'll wrap this up. Uh, I'll wrap up this ridiculously long email by saying the Hunchback podcast was among your best. Really, really outstanding. Uh, I mean, you even mentioned the resurrected. God bless you. <laughs> yes, yes. It runs again, everybody. The, it was still the best uh, filmed uh, Lovecraft adaptation yet. Uh, so uh, yeah, go after the go after the resurrected. Uh, it's out there on DVD uh, without any fanfare whatsoever. Uh, he says, "You guys are the best." I voted for you in the rondos, and I hope you win. Well, thank you, thank you. Uh, he says, "Rod, Chris Miller was well. You know how it was. Very, very well done. Elizabeth and I yeah, really I enjoyed it. Yeah. Corruption, Chris Miller is worth your time. It's a good film." Uh, you go right on recommending films. <laughs> and since I know you're both Jess Franco fans, I want to mention that over at Cinema Somnambulist, Cinema Somnambulist, the blog arm of Doomed Moviethon, Richard is doing a Franco Friday every week until he goes insane. Wow. <laughs> Franco seems to be misunderstood by some, and he is cutting through the confusion. For years, I thought he just did pornos. You know, not horror pornos. <laughs> Thanks for the essential podcast, guys, and I'm sorry for the long email. Hey, no problem, but Brad, i got to tell you, you know, all that's well and good, but my question then... You know uh, what? What? What's going to come for her birthday? You know, she set the bar pretty high for this now. So this, this is true. Pretty question: What? What? What does the Nashy man get for the Nashy woman uh, for special <laughs> occasions? You know, I was thinking maybe maybe the traveler a traveler's guide Dale Cominante maybe you know, is, uh, <laughs> would be uh, <laughs> uh, maybe maybe a, a night with a man with a larger penis. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> 
Oh, that was that was <laughs> Sorry, not meant. Oh, that Sorry. was not meant to be a slam, Brad. No, 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 no. no, no. That's we know you. We know you oh, get God. your herbs from the local witch too. So, uh, so. <laughs> yeah, get your herbs from the local witch. And you do, yeah. <laughs> no, we are. You, you, you are a very lucky man indeed. Uh, and yeah, and uh, everybody's got. Uh, hopefully, maybe we'll put a picture of uh, up on your uh, bloody pit of rod. Uh, yeah, blog I'll, I the, completely the cake. forgot. This cake uh, is fantastic. The cake is fantastic. I'll put this picture up. Uh, I'll I'll post it up on the blog just so other people can see it. It's fantastic. The um, to address some of the things he mentions in there, it looks like whatever company you ordered those bootlegs from sent you both the uh, shorter and longer cuts of Night of the Howling Beast. Let us highly recommend mm. the longer cut, even though it looks like crap, mm. uh, because there uh, not only does it contain the uh, the nudity that's trimmed out of the shorter version, but it also contains, as we discussed in our I think our first point five episode. I think it was the first, right? It was. Yeah, because we, were we called it that. We called it the naughty bits mm. uh, in that longer version. Uh, there's a, a scene that's not present in the shorter version that kind of answers the question of a, of one of the characters' uh, possible virginity, mm-hmm. which essentially mm-hmm. tosses it out the window. Mm-hmm. Uh, the scene in, involves some nudity, and they didn't even. It looks like they didn't even reshoot the scenes mm-hmm. scene to be included in the clothed version. So, yeah. check out the uh, the other version of Night of the Howling Beast. It looks like crap, but it's essential. Yeah. Um, also, yes, corruption of Chris Miller. The more people that I can send to that movie, the better. One hell of a little thriller. Also, uh, Quiet Place in the Country is one hell of a movie. Uh, I'm a big Franco Nero fan to begin with. Oh yeah, I love Nero. Uh, and of course, he and Vanessa Redgrave were uh, were an item at the time mm-hmm. they made that movie. And the, the the tension and the chemistry in the movie are palpable. It's a it's a hell of a movie. Um, not sure if it's been released on DVD or not. I have the um, I have the VHS of it still. It's just a mm. just a heck of a film. Cool. But man, you did hit the Nashy motherload. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. He's all set for a bunch of our podcasts now. He's got all the. No kidding. Some we haven't gotten to yet either. Yeah. Well, I would like to say uh, we will be eventually getting to uh, the Nashy written. Well, he at least wrote the first draft of the screenplay, uh, the uh, Cross of the Devil. We'll eventually get to that film. There's. Uh, I'm sure that the version you have is uh, subtitled because I don't think there's an English version of it. It's the, it was the last film directed by uh, British director John Gilling, mm. who made uh, several movies for Hammer, The Crimson Blade, Plague of the Zombies, Rip- The Reptile. Yeah. Uh, hell of a director, and um, there's some controversy over how Nashi did not was not involved in the making of Cross of the Devil, but we'll get into that when we do the eventual mm. podcast on that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Wow, dude, you really uh, you really got the haul. Yeah, man, happy viewing. It's, uh, you got got a lot of good watching ahead of you. And by the way, you could uh, possibly go insane trying to watch one Franco film Best a week. Best say, yeah. Uh, yeah, depending on where you delve into, and you know. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a Franco fan. I was about to say, but we have to put qualified Frank, you know, in the sense that, like, you know, it's like uh, Franco. I don't want the word be discerning fans, discerning Franco fans. That's I don't know. Careful, the, careful Franco, Franco fans, because that is that's a minefield, buddy. That is a minefield. Definitely a minefield. Okay, next email is from Mark. All of these are returning contestants to the Nashi cast. Yes. Uh, <laughs> he says, uh, hey, fellas. Battle-scarred veterans. <laughs> Battle-scarred veterans, yeah. Hey, fellas. Excellent Nashi cast this time around. Perhaps the best so far. I assume he's referencing the last one. Uh, uh, I find... Uh, back maybe, I guess. Uh, probably yeah. so. I find your most enjoyable podcast are usually the ones where you have strong feelings for the film in question one way or the other, and it's obvious you both hold this classic in high regard. Thanks for the heads up on the quality of the Region 1 DVD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's talking yeah. about Hunchback. Yep. I was thinking of double dipping on this one, but I guess I should have known better. I've got five Maya DVDs, and only one of them is anything like decent quality. That one being Four Flies on Grey Velvet. 
See, I've been afraid to buy the Four Flies on Gray Velvet yeah. disc as soon as I discovered it was a Maya disc because, jeez, yeah. hmm. they have been a disappointment. Yeah. Sounds like that one might even might actually be worth seeing, maybe. But uh, yeah, it's it's the the one Argento film that you know took forever to get out on DVD. Yeah, really. Uh, back to Mark's email. Uh, surprised you didn't mention the fact that Ilsa is played by the delectable Helen Harp of Tombs of the Blind Dead fame. You know, I am I am ashamed that it didn't catch that, but you should be doubly ashamed, Mr. Blind Dead. I, I am, I am incredibly ashamed. I have to admit, I, uh, I had made a note of it, and then as we recorded, mm. I slipped right past it. Yeah. I... Thanks for thanks for catching that and for getting us to mention it in, a, in yeah, an episode. I, I can't I can't believe I missed it, but I very clearly did. Uh, of course, as he says, not that she's looking that best, uh, looking yeah, her best yeah. in Hunchback, but that's terminal illness for you. So, <laughs> and it's true. She did have that sort of tubercular glow there. Glow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, regarding your email chat regarding favorite Nashy films, no, I haven't seen Vengeance of the Mummy. I actually asked for this and Werewolf and the Yeti on Spanish DVD for Christmas, but unfortunately the Mummy DVD was out of stock. Werewolf and the Yeti looks glorious. It's so sad that BCI went out of business because they presumably would have released this at some point. Wow. It's a Victory Films presentation like the rest of the BCI titles. Man. It's in Spanish, of course, but still thoroughly enjoyable. On a related note, a UK VHS of Werewolf and the Yeti sold recently for over $200 on eBay. I'm, I'm sorry, no, no, no. 200 pounds on eBay. I don't know what 200 pounds is in dollars, but I know it ain't cheap. Wow, man. I never really thought about it, but you're right, Rod. Frenzy has all the hallmarks of a giallo. Hmm. My wife bought me a Hitchcock box set for Christmas, and we watched Frenzy recently, my wife for the first time, and it's a fantastic film. Some nice extras on the disc, too. Congrats on your Rondo nomination. I voted yesterday. Best of luck, lads. P.S. I only realized whilst listening to this Snashy cast that I haven't heard the previous one, 13.5. Going to rectify that right now. You don't have to listen to them in order, but uh, yeah. it is fun. <laughs> All right, thanks, Mark. Thanks. That's Appreciate that's, it. that's really cool. Uh, yeah, um, two hundred pounds on eBay—that's a lot of money. I'd say so. And why, man? Why would what, what would make the Werewolf and the Yeti UK VHS so special? I don't understand. I don't know. I don't know. That's that's kind of amazing. Maybe, anyway. maybe it explains where he got the black clothes. <laughs> <laughs> He's the man in black in that film. Yeah. Oh my goodness. All right. Next up, we've got, uh, oh, another email from Paul. Paul the Mailman. Paul the Mailman. I like getting emails from him. Just got the new .5 episode of NashyCast. Unfortunately, I'll have to wait a few days before I listen to it. I had located a vendor for Strange Loves of the Vampire, but I hadn't ordered it yet. I rectified that, and I should be getting the DVD-R this week. By the way, I ordered it from TrashPalace.com. Okay. I had met this guy at last year's Monster Bash yeah, and had yeah. bought several I've, DVD-Rs from mm, him. I've bought some from Trash Palace, too. I have bought a few from him as well in the past. Mm. Good good product, and he stands mm. behind it. Yeah. Uh, uh, after a lot of searching, I found a place to get a dupe of the Velovision version of El Caminate. I previously found a place where I could watch it without dubbing or subbing online, but I managed to track down a place called VomitBagVideo.com <laughs> where I could great, score that, a cheap copy. That's a hell of a name, VomitBagVideo. I like that. <laughs> I'd never heard of that until, no, until, until Paul, Paul mentioned it. I was like, wow, that's... Whoa, I don't know. I don't know if... It's, it's almost scary. To it me. is a little bit. Uh, I wrote him back and asked him about his version of... Um, Strange Loves, and it looks like it's sourced from the same uh, Dutch videotape as ours was. Okay. Uh, it's in English with Dutch subtitles. 
not not a shock. That seems to be the only way to see that movie. So yeah, it's a shame, but uh, we can always hope. <laughs> thank you very much, Paul. Of mm-hmm. course. Uh, oh Lord, we got uh, we got another. Oh wow, okay, we got another email from Mark here. He wanted to write back because he listened to the point uh, five episode. Mm-hmm. <sighs> wow, these emails have stacked up, folks. Let's get through this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark says, "Thanks for another great podcast. I really like the sound of I Hate My Body." Looking at the cast, the director, and the year, etc., I assume that this film will be a fun piece of cheese, but it sounds more like a forward-thinking feminist critique. Mm-hmm. From the early 1970s, Spain, no doubt. think I'm going to have to find a copy of this, especially now that I know Alexandra Bastido is in it. Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. Uh, Rod, The Ghoul is a great film, well worth checking out. I used to have it on Region 1 PD disc. Now that I think about it, it was the same Brentwood box that has Horror Rises from the Tomb in it. The quality is perfectly watchable, as I recall. Troy, Mm -hmm. I was intrigued by your theory that the reason that there are so many rape scenes in 70s movies is as a result of the anti-feminist backlash. It's a fascinating, if depressing, idea. Something that had never struck me before. Elena's email regarding the treatment of women in Spain during this period made for sobering listening. All in all, a very thought-provoking podcast. Yeah. Well, that movie definitely struck us. That was kind of the neat things about it was, again, you know, you can see how people would come into it thinking it's going to be just pure shock, outrageous, you know, exploitable stuff. Yeah. And you realize that, wow, this movie really had something it was trying to say and, you know, it was, and, and amazing that it got made at all, really. Um, true, true. Uh, he, see, he finishes up by saying, looking forward to hearing about this new-to-me Klamovsky vampire film. Never heard of it before. Mm-hmm. Although, and this isn't a criticism, honestly, I am looking forward to hearing you discuss slightly better-known Spanish fare. I'd love to hear your take on the Blind Dead series, for instance, or some of Jess Franco's Spanish output. Mm-hmm. Uh, P.S. Nashy Musk? Nice. <laughs> And we didn't make that up. Man. No, no, no. That, that that was, uh, I think, Vila Wolf is the name she went by. Uh, and and uh, hopefully she's still listening. We hadn't heard for a while. But uh, we thank her very much for Nashi Musk because that's... Gotta uh, love that. Gotta <laughs> love that. But uh, thank you once again, Mark, for the email. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Um, Appreciate all the feedback. And, and uh, yeah, it's funny you should mention... Yeah. <laughs> funny you should mention The Blind Dead because we are, as we've, as we've already mentioned, we're going to be doing next point five episode will be... Tombs of the Blind Dead, the very first Blind Dead film. I know it's coming as a total shock to everybody that we would do that film. And uh, what, what may be more shocking is if I get a word in edgewise. It may actually be a Rod Barnett solo episode. I'll be lucky if I can if I get get a word no, in. There, there's a... No. I would never ever think of doing that seriously mm-hmm. as long as people were aware that you'd be in the as room. Long, as long as our friendship is mutually beneficial. <laughs> <It's>, and... <yeah. laughs> As long as I can't find somebody willing to... As long to, as you can't find another partner for the podcast. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, if I could find somebody willing to offer me 100 duca, ducats, ducats for, from ours. for your arse, <laughs> it'd be the end of it, buddy. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, oh, God. Okay, okay. One more email. I know some other friends of ours whose arses I bet we could sell for 100 ducats, <laughs> but uh, anyway, we'll discuss that off air. Uh, we should really on. discuss that off air. I think, I, think yeah. I know a few of them. Oh. Mm. <laughs> This is an email from uh, Richard. Mm-hmm. Richard in Florida. Okay. Um, my good friend Brad from Kentucky, who, who you have read letters from on yeah. your show, introduced me to you guys, and I've been voraciously tearing through the Nashi cast ever since. I was immediately impressed by how much thought and research goes into your podcast. Uh, thank you very much. Yes, yes. Yeah, all five minutes of it's been worth it. <laughs> <laughs> back, back to Richard's email. Uh-huh. I also admire your tireless enthusiasm for Mr. Nashi's films, as well as the world of cult and horror cinema. Within minutes of hearing the first Nashi cast, I started with the Horror Rises from the Tomb mm-hmm. episode. I put a link 
to you up on my blog, Cinema Somnambulist, and of course on Doom the Moviethon. Okay, got that stuff out of the way. I swear I'm not just plugging my crap. Hey, don't worry about plugging hey, your crap. Hey, listen, when, right. when you when you when your when your blogs have titles like that, awesome. Then yeah, they deserve to be plugged. Those are great great blogs and very great titles. No <laughs> kidding, man. Uh, he says my favorite episodes of the Nashi Cast are, of course, the ones covering the films that I have already seen. There are a few episodes I haven't gotten to yet because I want to check the films out myself first and then hear you guys' opinions on them. But trust me, I have taken steps to remedy the situation. Steps. Mm-hmm. He capitalized that. Yeah, it's as we've it's as we pointed out before. It's our, our podcast. Uh, we require a little work, you know. We require a little a little work from our listeners there. But uh, we're very happy that for the ones that that can play along there, and then we're and for the ones that find it <laughs> find it frustratingly difficult to play along, then we we do we, apologize. We do apologize, but, it's, but it's a, there's a the, there's a price to you know. To, well, the the thing is, when we set out, and we've talked, Troy and I have talked about this mm-hmm. on several occasions. That when we set out to do this, the original plan was that. When we're done, whenever we're done, years from now, mm-hmm. these things will always be there as people discover these movies. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of these movies are never going to get the kind of love on DVD or on home video that mm-hmm. we wish they would. So at least if sometime in the future somebody catches up with Horror Rises from the Tomb or yeah. Vengeance, from the Mummy, Vengeance of the Mummy or any of these movies, mm-hmm. there's a discussion of it somewhere for them yeah. to listen to to kind of get a little more information about the movie to have a couple mm-hmm. of people who actually want to talk about the film discussing it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what we're hoping is that these things kind of exist out there long after we're gone mm-hmm. to kind of complement the films. Yeah. So you're you're doing what we kind of hoped people yeah, sure. would do. Yeah, certainly. So, cool. Uh, back to Richard's email. Uh, listening to your most recent episode, The Strange Loves of the Vampire, got me to thinking, I can totally relate to struggling through a horrible bootleg just to see something special. Years ago, I stumbled across a copy of the mostly forgotten 1972 Italian chiller, Night of the Devils, in the library where I work. Some astonishingly enlightened collections librarian had ordered the film from Video Search of Miami wow. to add to the collection. Jeez. Now I want to pause here and go, holy shit. I know, the idea of a librarian somewhere ordering something from for the library, from, for Video Search of Miami is... <laughs> wow. Those were the 90s, huh? Yeah. Wow. Um, uh, amazing. Uh I, I I've seen Night of the Devils. I was going to say now is this is something movie. that I'm because I'm not. Well, I'm drawing hold on a minute. He actually he actually gives a little information okay, good, here. He good. says uh, he says uh, after giving myself a migraine just to get through this muddled and ruined VHS, I realized two things. One, this is an excellent remake of Baba's Where to Lack segment of Black oh, Sabbath, uh. and two, this film has got that Euro horror vibe all over it from beginning to end. Mm. I finally found a watchable copy from Eurotrash Cinema but cannot freaking wait until somebody somewhere releases a proper release of this forgotten movie. Well, yeah, I guess I haven't seen this one. It's not ringing a bell. Say it's great. <clears throat> Say you've seen it. Sir. I have a bootleg of it around here somewhere. Cool, cool. Hell of a movie. Cool. Very good. Yeah, Night of the Devils from 1972. Italian chiller. Good film. Cool. Recommended. Um, back to his email. Mm-hmm. I went through similar visual heartache back when Four Flies on Grey Velvet was only available on atrocious bootlegs. I got a copy so bad that the finale of the movie was imperceptibly dark. So other than what I could read about it, I had no clue how the film actually ended. (laughs) While the version available now is watchable at least, this film still needs a proper release, damn it. And recently I nearly broke my optic... uh, uh, Broke my optic nerves (laughs) while sitting through Eyes Eyes in the Labyrinth, a sleazy and violent giallo from director Mm -hmm. Mario uh, Cayeno. 
The copy I have is, is, is very rough, but the uniqueness of the film shines through the dub of a dub of a dub <laughs> of a Dutch videotape. Once again, the Dutch videotapes. So anyway, somewhere in the back of my mind, I am planning to stage a Paul Nashy movie-thon to document, to document for my site. My goal is to watch Ooh. somewhere between 15 and 18 Nashy films in three days. Wow. Once I pull this off, and providing that I don't have some kind of emotional, physical, or mental breakdown, mm-hmm. you guys will definitely be hearing about it. Uh, just to let you know, uh, if you're needing uh, if you need any ideas for how to get through this, you know, Paul Nashy wrote the script for Horror Rises from the Tomb in about uh, 24 hours under the under, under the influence of heavy narcotics. So you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it might be a thought, maybe a thought to try to get through your three days. Richard, yeah. uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you for your email. Thank you yes. very much. Uh, please, God, don't try to watch 15 to 18 Nashy films in three days. <laughs> I, I, it it may sound like a good idea. <laughs> It may sound like a lot of fun, but I don't want to be named in court papers and a, as an accomplice to your committal. I don't want to be one of the people named who might have influenced you to do something that drove you to gouge out your own eyes, put a stake through your own head, actually, kill people at random. I don't want this. Actually, what I'm just picturing is that you know they're going to open the door and they're going to find him on the floor going, Pentagram. Pentagram, pentagram. <laughs> <laughs> or have painted himself with black stripes and, consi- and start screaming that he's a human, human zebra. zebra. I'm a human zebra. <laughs> flee, flee. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. Uh, if, he, if you complete this and manage to not go get the name Daninsky tattooed on your ass... Mm. I'm gonna be impressed, <laughs> or, or at least an L, an L's carved on your head. <laughs> right. Now, what is this? Now, I was gonna ask you: Are you familiar with this movie that he mentioned there? The uh, that last one that he mentioned the um, which one? Eyes of what was? Um, oh, I uh, eyes of the uh, eyes in the labyrinth. Actually, that, no, I was gonna yeah, mention that. I do uh, not know what that film is. I would have to. Uh, matter of fact, let's do. Uh, yeah, Ringo. Uh, we did a Ringo the, film. Yeah. Okay. The, the question of uh, Eyes in the Labyrinth. I don't know the film. I've not seen it, but uh, it was the, the director he's talking about um, directed uh, a number of things. He directed uh, the Barber Steel film Nightmare Castle, mm-hmm. uh, Eric the Viking, uh, Million Dollar Countdown, Shanghai Joe. He did a bunch of Peplum, Two Gladiators, as you were saying, a, a Machiste film, a Goliath mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. Um, was that Violent Milan? It looks like, it looks like he did a number of uh, Polichetti in okay. the seventies. So uh, Nazi Love Camp twenty seven. Oh, okay. there you go. We get some Nazi some Nazi nastiness in there. Um, well, it looks like he was still working up to about two thousand one. Wow, cool. Wow, darn. Yeah, Mario Chino Kano. I don't know exactly. Kano or Kano? Yeah. C a i a n o. I'm probably mispronouncing that horribly. <laughs> Nevertheless. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I've not seen. Yeah, really, I've not seen Eyes in the Labyrinth. Um, yeah, man, I'm wondering. I'd be curious, uh, Richard, if uh, if Eyes in the Labyrinth is uh, worth our attention, get, get, drop us a line. Let us know. Yeah, uh, sounds please, like something we'd be interested do. in seeing. It's probably not something for the podcast at all, but it's still worth seeing. Mm-hmm. All right, so I guess we're going to have to call a halt to them yes. to them now because wow, this is going on forever. Yeah. So. Um, Thanks everybody who writes us. We uh, will leave. The, we will get we'll to your emails. The, at some the point. other yeah, seven or eight emails on top of that one, we'll leave for a little while. Thanks to everybody who writes us and uh, gives us their thoughts on the podcast. Send them to nashycast at gmail dot com and uh, criticize us. Tell us what you think. Give us good ideas. Give us bad ideas. Make fun of us. Yeah. 
tell us how much you'll sell your arse for. And, uh, <laughs> Truly. Oh, one other thing. I'd like to point out that uh, although it's Troy and I who do you know, the, the, the massive amount of work here, we'd also like to point out that uh, we couldn't do this on our own. And, and our I guess I would have to name him our artistic director. Uh, our friend uh, Jeff, mm-hmm. who does the artwork for each of our podcasts, each mm-hmm. of the Nashy casts, uh, goes out of his way to do this for us just as a friend. Um, he's been doing it for months and months now without me acknowledging him on the podcast or even him asking to be acknowledged. But I just wanted to point out that uh, those wonderful images that are done for our, our podcast ever since, uh, I think, Inquisition was the first one he did for us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those are the work of my buddy Jeff, yes. and he is fantastic. And he does these things for us for no charge. He just gets a kick out of doing it. Yeah, he had a lot of fun putting together the one for Hunchback of the Morgue. He really enjoyed that. He added some nice stuff to that. But I uh, just wanted to thank yeah, him publicly. We do appreciate that very much, Jeff. Thank you. He does a fantastic job, and also I'd like to thank uh, our buddy Dan, our man friend of the, the field, podcast, our man in the field, for uh, some of the rather amusing things the uh, the, uh, the the hysterical South Park version of us. Oh, it's a classic. It's just a classic. Yeah, <laughs> was was great. Uh, thanks again to Dan for that kind of stuff, man. He he never fails to be able to put a smile on our faces about. Well, just about anything that has to do with this crazy ass yeah. podcast. Oh, yeah, so. yeah. So uh, appreciate it, everybody. Um, I guess now we'll uh, let them know what's coming up. Well, we've already told them we know the next five episode point five episode uh, will be the uh, Tim's the Blind Dead, and the next regular Nashy Cast episode. We're going to uh, stick around the same time period, mm. and we're going to do another film that neither of us have seen yet. Yes, yes, two in a row that we've never seen before. We're going to do Human Beasts. Mm-hmm. Which I understand is a pretty dark and harsh film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe. I think he may have done this with. Was this done with Japanese financing? I can't remember. I don't remember. I don't, I don't remember. remember. At any rate, our next film is Human Beasts, mm-hmm. which was one of the films released by BCI, so it's yeah, uh, so a little easier to get hold of. Yeah, yeah. Um, that will be the next full Nashi cast for uh, the one for May. Mm-hmm. So. Everybody, start your engines. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get, you, get, get your hands up. on human beasts mm-hmm. and join us for that one. Uh, so we'll see you again here in a couple of weeks for Tombs of the Blind Dead mm-hmm. for our next Beyond Nashy Cast show, or I'm sorry, Beyond Nashy, mm-hmm. and uh, Nashy Cast 16 will be Human Beasts. Mm-hmm. So thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Be careful, and we'll talk to you next time. My name is Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn, and this has been a Bloody Pit of Rod production. <laughs> <laughs>